Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. So this week we'll have a professional in HR speaking to us. But before we do that, maybe everyone can introduce themselves and then we'll get started. So my name is Michelle and welcome back to the show. Uh, hi guys, this is Eugene Zioki. Welcome back. My name is Victor Reri. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Moraithi. Welcome. It's Kevin Ahere. Welcome back. It's Melissa. Welcome. So let's get started. So maybe we'll let our guest introduce herself and then start off. Hi everyone, my name is Talangugi. I'm a founder of a HR tech company known as Jobonics. Um, I have both background in HR and then I transitioned to, to tech. So I'll speak on HR tech today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for making time for us. So maybe, maybe you can tell us what inspired you to join HR and how you got started in HR. Um, Looking back at high school, uh, I remember the day we were given the university choices and were supposed to fill our options for job. Uh, my parents had never sat down with us to discuss anything about career, so I didn't have any any knowledge whatsoever about what I was going to, to choose. Um, for example, my mom is a teacher and my, my dad's an electrical engineer, but I don't remember him ever telling us about engineering and I don't think that it's because we were ladies I just think it's because their generation something like that didn't come didn't come across their mind so when we're given the choices um, I just picked random things honestly then I went to campus um, but one of the things that led me to HR was my personality I felt that I was always a people person so that was the only thing that I had uh, guiding me and of course your subjects for example if I didn't do physics I couldn't do engineering so of course that also guides you so when I went to campus um, I changed courses and I went to uh, school of HR and like ever since the first class I really fell in love with it and the more I learned about the role of HR in a company the more I felt wow this is such an important thing uh, that we are learning here yeah so that's how I got started. Do you remember your first job um, how easy or difficult was it to um, get that first job? Um, let me say internship, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so what? What uh, I studied HR in Moy University, mm -hmm. and we had a human resource management club. So what happens is uh, after you've the class above us, after you've gone for internship, you come back and you can share your stories, your internship stories with the guys who are below you or anyone who's a member of the club. So I remember uh, I had one friend of mine who was also in HR, but he was also my neighbor at home. And then he shared his story about uh, he had done his internship at Kenya Maritime Authority in Mombasa. And he said he had sent over, I think, 25 applications. So I was sitting there at the back thinking, why would you send 25 applications to get just an internship, something that you know, you'd be willing to do for free. So I thought, ah, maybe he didn't do his CV well, maybe, I don't, it just didn't make sense for me. Mm -hmm. Until now, it was our turn to go for the internship, and I had, like, I really struggled to get information about companies, to figure out, like, just, you know, how do I make my CV and all that. So I had to rely on the internet a lot to help me. Then I ended up actually working the same company I worked for, that was at Kenya Maritime Authority, but, 
I ended up working there because uh, I had, of course, now because of him, he had told me about the company. So I found out the location and then I went and dropped my CV to the manager. So it was even just a kind of luck how I got picked. Then uh, I finished that internship on like a Friday. On Monday, I was in Nairobi at uh, EABL for now my second internship. How I got into EABL, um, I met a friend of a friend who worked in sales for EABL. And then I told him, oh, I don't know anybody who works at EABL. How do people even apply to get into EABL? So EABL as an employer was like an enigma. Like, how do people actually get to Google? How do people actually join Facebook? They was like, yeah, they actually have open internships every quarter. It's online, just go and apply. So I applied, then I was shocked that they called me. But then they had called me when I had already started my first internship. So I asked them, uh, okay, can you reserve my slot? And then when I finish this one, I'll come again now in the next quarter. And I said, no, you have to reapply again now for the next quarter. So I reapplied again. And then luckily again, I was selected as the, as the intern. So like at that time, Abel takes around 17 turns every quarter. Yeah, which is a very huge number. So I found out about it basically through friends. Yeah, I had no, there was very little information we had to go by when we were going for, for internship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. even us as HR students, mm -hmm. can you imagine? And what's important um, when looking for a job? Do you think that networking um, surpasses applying for a job or just, you know, posting your resume endlessly on websites? Um, in your view, what's the best way to, or the quickest or most efficient or most, I guess, appropriate way to apply for a job. There are many different ways to get work, um, but what's meaningful in your view? Okay. Um, so I remember the, this week the director of uh, Kami, Kalimilu, Kami, Dr. Chao, had written uh, how uh, it's really sad that employers are not getting back to, to applicants when they apply for jobs. And um, one of the things I remember tweeting was the fact that um, it sometimes it's almost impossible because of the number of candidates that uh, that you get for any particular job. Yeah. For example, after campus, I joined Safaricom in recruitment and would post a job like on a Friday. On Monday, you come back and it's like over a thousand people have applied. So in terms of, you know, you're working again at speed, this hiring manager from sales, this one, this one, everybody is asking you for their shortlist. So it becomes very hard for you to to get uh, back to people and actually the reality is we actually don't even look at all the applications which is the truth and i don't like to people about that because mm. it's actually the truth so somebody cannot even give you feedback and tell you this is where you went wrong because probably nobody ever looked at your application in the first in the first place so i think one of the things that people can do is to go the road less traveled go somewhere that's uh, less crowded as opposed to that for example the event we had about hiring technical talent you can look at a panel and see oh, okay the recruiting manager for for EABL is going to be at this event so this will give me a one-on-one -on -one chance to meet this person we had another one last year uh, we're calling it hr meets tech 
and we were telling guys, you know, if you're interested in working for these tech companies or you want to, to know more about them, come and meet them. And then we had one-on-one -on -one sessions with actually the talent managers from these different companies talking to people. So at such a uh, place, you have an easier way to convince somebody about your competence because we spend about only, is it 15 to 30 seconds just screening your CV. Mm. But then if you meet with somebody on an almost informal uh, way, they are relaxed. They are not thinking about other candidates on their mind. They are not thinking, okay, we have to finish this interview in 15 minutes because we have another one. So you have a better chance of meeting of meeting uh, people. Um, I think uh, there's a blog I wrote about 10 things you can do while still job searching. And I saw that was one of the questions you had asked about people who are applying. So yes, you are applying for jobs, but then there are other things you can still do meanwhile to get yourself noticed. I know a lot of tech guys that are highly technical, even just on Twitter. Mm -hmm. You look at their Twitter and you see consistency in the kind of content they're posting out. Somebody might reach out to you just because of that. You know, if it's design, then there are platforms for designers. Somebody might, might come across something you've done in design on Instagram or even on FB, somebody has just shared. So that's almost also a less crowded, a less crowded path. You can do things like this if it's a blog, a podcast, or something. Somebody you never, you just never know. Somebody will share, and the recruiter will ask, "Oh, who is this? Who's this guy who's talking about React like this?" You know, I would like to, I would like to meet them. So share. I've seen people who share even at events, somebody saying, you're having this women in tech event, I would like to come and talk about open source. Just volunteer. You never know who's in the room at that point. Yeah. And how important do you think it is for HR person looking at those um, CV applications to be conversant with the industry they are, they are checking? Mm -hmm. How? So I definitely think that one of the things hiring managers can do, especially technical hiring managers, is to get more specialized. If you look at LinkedIn and you look at um, profiles of people in other markets like US and all that, you'll see people are very highly specialized in their CV. Somebody has just purely worked for oil and gas. You know, another person has just worked for companies like Amazon, Google, Facebook, there is a consistency in that. But if you look at a Kenyan CV, you've worked for Standard Media. The next job you worked at Nakumat, the next one. And I'm not saying that that's bad, but uh, what I noticed is that uh, recruiters in other markets are very highly specialized. Even if you get somebody who's a headhunter, they're headhunting for very, very specific things. Somebody can just be a headhunter for CEO and executive mm -hmm. levels. Another one can be headhunter for technical roles. So we don't have that. And I experienced that personally. I remember when I came back now and I was trying to get developers to help me Jobonics. You know, I didn't, yes, I had studied software engineering for one year, but then I would look at a CV and I don't know half of what is on the CV because half of the terms were, you know, were still new to me. Yeah? So if somebody has experience and they choose to get some learning in tech, I think it will help them become much better in hiring technical technical talent. I think also in terms of the interview and all that, 
it will help you have a better conversation with a with a technical candidate if at least they know you understand what uh, what they are saying yeah and that note uh, what mistake do you think hr makes when they are putting themselves in industries where they don't understand so i think it's a gamble for example i know one technical company in kenya uh, where they refused a certain HR person was be, was applying for a technical recruiter position and they told that it's because she didn't have technical uh, she didn't have experience in a tech industry and I felt that was kind of uh, that was kind of unfair and then now they picked a friend of mine who in reality she also doesn't have technical experience but maybe somebody will see oh this was the last employer you worked for but she's not technical in any way she's not even on Twitter she's not she she's not technical in <laughs> any way and even the moment she told me i'm applying for a job in this particular company i told her i know you i know the kind of companies you've worked for this is not going to be a match for you and i i already knew and a week after she had signed her uh, her contract she called me and she told me she's not going to stay in that company it was mm. in terms of culture it was a complete misfit misfit in terms of cards. So it didn't work because most of the tech companies, like you go to Africa's talking and there's ping pong tables and I'm asking the HR manager, why is like half of the people have dreadlocks? Is this, what, what's, is this like a requirement? Because it almost looks strange. Like it's a pattern. Like you go to AT and it's like a pattern. So it almost looks strange. Like, mm-hmm. okay. Is this just a coincidence of what is happening here? So if you go, to, I know a lot of uh, my HR managers who, if they would uh, put them in such a setting, they would completely feel lost. Uh, lost. That. So it does help having technical experience uh, or experience in a tech industry, but I don't think that should um, immediately disqualify somebody. I think if somebody is willing to learn, what you should be testing is adaptability, not... We need to stop these uh, checklist kind of hiring where we have a list and we say 10 years of experience and somebody has nine and mm. then we let them go. So it needs to be more than just a checklist and it's a lazy way of shortlisting people. Let me just say that. Yeah. Stella, how did you make the switch from um, working in HR to building your own HR company? Wow. So, um, so like I said, back in campus, and then I'm learning all these things about HR. By the time I got to EABL, I was reading about what HR at Google is like and some of these companies. So I was very excited about HR. And then uh, you come after campus, the more you see companies, you kind of get disappointed. So your perception and reality are kind of distorted. So I felt disappointed at some of the things that we were doing. For example, I can't get back to your application or that we are not really giving people a fair chance and all these kinds of things. So that's actually what led me to tech. I went to tech because I felt like uh, tech could help us do our HR work better. So, and that's why even I would say my manager let me go because the conversation was not, oh, I'm entirely moving to tech. I don't want to be an icon, but I don't want to be a, deve- a full-time developer. I'm not doing that. It's because um, that experience of um, you just experiencing something outside your field, it really helps and enriches whatever you think you know. So there are a lot of things that I've learned right now in tech 
that I'm like, wow, I wish we did this in HR. Like the communities, you know, whether it's talking and stuff like that, the um, tools that I've done, things like the customer journey and just some of those principles, whether it's design thinking, whether it's UX, all that. It's like we could apply this to, to HR. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's just, or you learn this thing so that it helps you improve on whatever you are doing. Yeah. And have you found any... Um, like disparity between hiring for a company, being HR for a company and hiring for your own company? Yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, the pressure is less. Uh, gosh, I remember, um, let me not stop, let me stop mentioning names, at a certain company, <laughs> you come like on Monday, everybody's rushing after the printer, the payroll guy's printing something. The receptionist is calling me, telling me, Stella, I have like 10 people at the reception. I don't know, come get them. There's another interview ending here. You have to write an interview report for that one. And so it was really uh, a bit crazy. So I think in terms of a bigger company and a startup, I, the pressure is less. I mean, the number of applications you receive is much less. But uh, what I even told one of the managers at the hiring event last week, I told them, uh, if you think, we think of competition and we think, oh, I'm a startup, I can't compete against, let's say, Safaricom or Google for talent. But then if you look at our generation, people are after different things. Mm -hmm. So we're always thinking, oh, I can't, I'm Twigger, I can't compete against these guys that have been here for like 20 years. Everybody knows their name, but that's not true. So... If you are smaller, it actually sometimes gives you a lot of advantage. For example, if you're going through the candidate experience, you can make it more personal mm -hmm. than what a larger company is able to do, yeah? Meaning you are able to build your brand and loyalty through that, which is something a bigger company is not able to do at scale. So I think you do have an advantage that I've gotten to meet so many uh, technical people and devs, and even if you say this is not a match. I even had a friend of mine um, last week tell me, Stella, we are looking for somebody for this and this. And I was just like, oh, okay. I know somebody um, that I'd talked to before. Let me send you his CV. Yeah, so you get to know people better. Yeah, in terms of candid that candidate relationship. Yeah. And different uh, people have, I mean, different companies have different I guess company cultures. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to people who are technical, whether you're a software engineer, a data scientist, um, a CTO, uh, sometimes you're technically strong. You have the hard skills. Um, you have the competencies required. But when it comes to the interview stage or resume writing, you, it, it doesn't really reflect. Mm. Um, so how important are soft skills to you? What exactly is a soft skill? Mm -hmm. And how can you nurture that as someone who's looking for a job? Yeah. Should you always tailor your application from interview stage to resume writing stage to suit the company culture? Or should you just be yourself and then find a company that, that is accommodative of who you are? Mm -hmm. I think there's a line between you being yourself and just you meeting industry standards. Yeah. Uh, because again, uh, going through CVs of developers and uh, I remember one particular dev, I went through his LinkedIn profile and I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, there's hardly anything there yet. So yeah. many people had recommended the right. guy. 
the guy to me and he knew what he was doing but he couldn't express himself so that's one of the instances where i sat down with him i told him you know your your linkedin looks like this and this and maybe that's one of the places somebody would get information about you so he actually worked on his cv and got it uh, and got it better um i think for technical people another way that you can express yourself if you think that the uh, something like linkedin or a cv is limiting uh if you're a designer we have places now like behance where you can show your design work so we are having more um linkedin is being broken down in the market to more specialized sites so now you have sites for photographers sites for designers sites for for technical people so you know you like to express yourself in code then maybe somebody will want to look at your github profile and, mm-hmm. and see some of the work that you've done or stack overflow and see some of the contributions that you've done um yeah i don't i completely agree people need to have um soft skills like communication and all that i remember one day attending an event on python and data science and we were seated at the back and this guy is a very good data scientist so he was presenting um i can't even remember but he was pre- presenting something to do with machine learning mm-hmm. And the guy, so we are at the back, you know, you're opening your laptop, you're trying to find, I don't know, your console or whatever. And this, like, he just kept on moving and moving. So we are at the back, we are not hearing, first of all, what he's saying, because his voice is not elevated. He's not asking if anybody has questions. Mm-hmm. He's not... Engaging. Yeah, he's yeah. not engaging. He's not seeing if somebody has been left behind or anything like that. So I got, like, I don't even know what i got out of that event yet it was probably a good session and i reached out to him later i told him you know you have to understand that there's somebody who seated there who completely understands what you're talking about and then there's this other person who's completely new to this or maybe it's a bit slower so that's that's a that's a soft skill that yes you want to share your your knowledge on ai but you have to learn how to how to communicate how to communicate that communication again is important in the interview sometimes people fail the interview because they are not expressing themselves mm-hmm. in the right way i ask you okay tell me about yourself you start saying okay i have 10 kids and <laughs> i'm christian i'm this and it's like who asked you that you have only 15 minutes to convince somebody why you are different from somebody else but then and i don't blame them like i said at the beginning hr is not sharing this information so people are coming to to that space blindly but what i would tell uh, what i would tell people right now especially in the age of technology we have so many resources it's not like 5 years ago there is half of the stuff that i've learned about hr now i've learned through hr twitter just twitter not even linkedin just a chart twitter like every week we have certain hashtags being done internationally and all of us talk about the same things and we share you have things like coursera you have hubspot where you can go learn some of these things um can academy so don't just go to can academy and pick python and pick data science go and learn oh there's also marketing there's also leadership there's also this and this again youtube also YouTube has very good content on on tech stuff. 
but then you can also go and learn how to sell how to mm. present yourself in an interview they'll probably do a mock interview on youtube which can give you a better picture than let's say if i wrote a blog so there are so many resources where you can learn like google is your best friend i google everything just absolutely everything so just google and you'll see so much of that yeah and in this age of technology we have like a lot of self-taught people yeah. in everything yeah like do you have like any disparity on how do you go about deciding um if a candidate is qualified enough for a spot if they have self-taught themselves as opposed to those who have like let's say a cs degree or a degree in engineering in something like how do you go about determining if a candidate is worthy enough of a spot if they are self-taught and not yeah. from a sort of a formal educational setting so i think that's one of the interesting things i saw in tech that i had not seen that i had not seen in other in other positions which made hiring uh, tech being so different from hiring an accountant or some other position and i think that's what makes hiring technical talent very complicated because we've had these discussions in hr you know do the case studies work okay do the interviews work do these and these work um i know there is a there is a ceo of a certain company in us what he does to test the soft skills for example he will take you out for dinner mm-hmm. then he's talked to the to the waiter to mess up your order Mm-hmm. So if you've ordered a chicken burger the waiter comes and brings something else so he's trying to test how uh you react to such and such a situation. So one of the things that came out uh, at last year's global recruiting trends report by LinkedIn um number one of course was diversity and inclusion which is very important. Mm. Then number two was new interviewing uh interviewing tools because interviews are only 11% effective. Then there is human bias. We tend to hire people who are like us the same way we tend to date people who are like us. Yeah. So you kind of now have a company where everybody is almost the same. But now we are having because of diversity we are having we are removing culture fit now. We are having what we call now culture ad. So you look at somebody when you're interviewing them and you think what is this person going to add to our culture as opposed mm-hmm. to that. The self-taught, I think what I've learned is that for us to be able to be effective as HR people in this new kind of age, we have to let go of what we think we know because whatever we've been using is not working clearly and HR people know that. Mm-hmm. They know it's not working. So it's a matter of are you willing to change? Are you willing to learn? to learn new new things a lot of the things like i've said that i've learned even in hr are not things i studied in school so if you just have a checklist this person has a degree this person has this that won't work in tech because mm. most of the people are self taught whether it's coding or whether it's design ux people and all that people are learning stuff online on youtube and all that uh so i think guys are getting more into we can have things like uh like the take home assi- assessments for people to see what you are capable of doing also that's having bringing an issue because people are saying oh i'm doing work for like a week I want to be paid for this i don't mm-hmm. know it's, so there is also an issue there is also an issue with that um you can have group assessments bring everybody in so that you're able to take to test the technical but also the the soft kind of uh, skills for somebody are they willing to work with people mm. are they amicable and things like that so i think we are moving towards some newer tools i know there are companies in us that even use vr 
Mm. You know, with VR we can simulate certain kind of situations and see how you react, how you behave. And then there are others that are using now AI, uh, companies like Pymetrics or HireVue. HireVue, I think Unilever used HireVue because we're getting too many applications for their graduate programs. Unilever US, mm -hmm. they're getting more than 250,000 uh, applications for their graduate program. So they said, we have to make this technical, we can't manage this. So you go through the view what you do, you do the interview, but you're talking to a robot and it's assessing, it's evaluating you, your body language, your posture, your choice of words, and it's kind of like marking you. Mm. So by them adopting a more technical approach, they're able to at least to, to reduce the amount of work on their, on their side. So we're still experimenting and seeing what, what works and what doesn't. But we have to be able to let go of what we think we know. It's not working anymore. For millennials, it's not. And does this sort of put pressure on HR in that, like, someone who is... Sorry, uh, your mic is not on. Yeah. It's not on? Yeah. Check one two, check one two. Loader. Satellite's okay so far? Yeah. It's just a conversation, yeah. <laughs> I can continue. Yeah. Uh, so, um, be, you being like Jobonics itself, it's a, it's a it's a it's a company that uses technology to help in HR. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what was my question? Oh yes. Um, yeah, there's pressure on HR. Yeah, there's pressure on HR in that. Uh, you find that it's it the uh, the technical space is very specialized. You know, like there's data science, there's uh, developers, there's uh, system developers, and there's all of these that are very specialized and you cannot, from a developer's perspective, being mm -hmm. interviewed for a data science role by a developer, a HR who is specialized in the development, can't work. They won't be able to sort of assess your skill level completely. Like, how do you go about situations like that? Do you sort of outsource or do you like use other developers to help in this process of HR in that context? Yeah. So I think uh, right now what's happening is we're having uh, multiple stages of interviewing mm -hmm. so that it's not just one person giving a review of you. So if you have many people also, because of the human bias aspect as mm -hmm. well, so if we have more people uh, talking to you, they can give like a different uh, opinion and evaluation of, of, uh, of yourself. Mm -hmm. um, again, also the, the partnership is very important. You can't it's almost impossible for you to hire a technical role when you just don't, when you don't even understand what what was about here. Yeah. Mm. I remember um, again. Okay, let me just wait. for example at Safaricom, just Mpesa alone, though, like five hundred people working at Mpesa. So you have these positions: senior Mpesa product manager. Then the next one, senior Mpesa product development. The next one. So it was very confusing and there were of course a lot of uh, engineering positions and I didn't understand. 
So at that point, if I'm giving a technical assessment to to the engineers who've come, mm. I don't even know what's on the paper. I'm just, okay, it starts in one hour, you know, <laughs> I'll come for the paper. I didn't even understand what was happening. So I think what you can do is, if it's a panel, like throughout that process, what HR people do, HR is a supportive function. We're not the people who hire. For example, we are not the people who come up with the job description. Job description, description. Yeah. We are not the people who come up with the job ad. Our work is just, okay, the tech people have said they need a new uh, front-end developer. Okay, do we have a budget for that? Where is this person going to be seated? Who's, who are they going to report to? ETC, ETC, and stuff like that. So we advise on that, and then we say, okay, these are the places we can advertise the job. So mm. it's not, HR is just... Is just a supportive function. So that means if there's a problem in terms of the technical hiring, the technical manager is the one with the problem, whether it's the CTO, the DevOps guy, but whoever is in charge of hiring in that particular department. Yeah. HR is just there to ask a few questions, like mostly about yourself and things like salary and all that. But the technical questions uh, usually come from the uh, technical team. So it should not be or Stella is the HR person, do this interview, it mm. should be. Stella is in that room to check that maybe is this interview meeting our standards? Are we measuring things like culture? Are we measuring soft skills? Um, how are you asking the question? Are you asking it in a way that makes sense and stuff like that? And yeah, so we are, you have to partner with the technical guys because you don't understand what's, what's happening. And for all other roles as well. Yeah, yeah not just technical. And I think that's why it's very important to do research as an applicant because um, you'll go for meetups, for example, and you'll find the CEO of the company is the one doing the hiring. You'll go for another event and you'll find it's a general manager in charge of recruitment. You'll go maybe to an interview at uh, a big four company like maybe PwC or Deloitte and you have to write your resume, you have to submit a cover letter, you have to do a technical um, assessment, and then you have to go for an assessment center, and then you have the final interview with someone in the department, and then another interview. So it's, it's, the, you know, it's really up to you to do your research as an applicant, and then figure out, is this why I'm getting rejected? Because you get to the interview stage, and you're having an interview with someone who works in HR and is non-technical. You're having an interview with the CTO who's also sat there. And then maybe someone who's just there to like assess, you know, soft skills. So, you know, I think you have to do your research as an applicant. You can't yeah. really complain that, um, or, you know, you don't know how to hire a data scientist because you're so focused on hiring a software developer. It's like HR people, it's a craft, I would say, assessing um, whether someone is a good fit, whether they have the competencies. It's a skill that's acquired over time. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think applicants should have the attitude of, but you don't even know how to assess. It's like there are actually metrics and scorecards and checklists and things that you look out for when you're trying to move a candidate further in the application process. Um, yeah, I think just having an attitude of research and, and, and knowing that you don't know the process. Mm -hmm. But I think also maybe you can clarify what exactly is the process because people get rejected at resume stage. They get rejected at the final interview. They get rejected because maybe they failed the technical assessment. So they don't really know how to improve if they're not given feedback in their rejection. So 
just walking in the shoes of someone who's gotten a rejection letter, rejection email, where should they start? You know, should you improve yourself technically? Did you not get hurt because you said something that offended someone in HR? Like, how should you go about? Because you know, when you ask, a, I've been rejected before for so many jobs, right? But some companies tell you that, oh, sorry, you know, the applications were too many. We can't give you personal feedback. So you really have to start and think, okay, did I fail the case interview? Was it my resume? Did I not have the years of experience? You, 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 it's a very, um, it's like baptism by fire. You start to question everything about yourself and what you've done. But what's the first step after you've been rejected? You know, is it to reflect? Is it to just give up and just become an entrepreneur? I don't know. Like, what should you do? Yeah. Okay. Uh, first of all, I don't think people who give up are the ones who end up becoming entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but um, again, that's why interviewing and you assessing a candidate is a mix of things so that you are able to assess all these different things that make the person who they are. We even have uh, guys now, companies who take people out on a casual setting. Because if we know if we go out for you, you know, for drinks and stuff like that, you'll be more relaxed. We'll be able to see a different side of you. So, and this, I've seen this happening outside. I've not seen this happening internally, mm-hmm. uh, like in Kenya. Mm-hmm. But I know companies outside have started like adopting other techniques to be able to, to assess people. Again, the problem is HR. I never say the problem is the candidate. And I will always say the problem is HR people. Because if we don't give you feedback, then you know you don't know what you are going yeah. to improve on. And then it also leaves people so discouraged. I remember somebody had written on Twitter like two weeks ago that way they've applied and they feel so discouraged about it. And guys were just trying to, to encourage him. Because we're saying like I've sent out I don't know many applications. I've not had anything. And it was so sad seeing that uh, seeing that tweet. And he was not the only one. So you kind of start another me too kind of a thing <laughs> but it's a sad me too yeah mm-hmm. it's a sad me too so i still insist in any of the hr forums that we go to that we are the ones who have to do who have to do much better even if we can't give for example if i've posted a job and we received over 3000 applications of our graduate program you receive around 4500 then the least i can do is to go after the process and i can even write a review of how the process was what are some of the general things i saw people lacking at each stage i can you know mm. that's not everything but at least somebody can say oh i think here in the group interview maybe i was talking too much i didn't give somebody else a chance or mm-hmm. they can be able at least to get an idea about where they could go they could go wrong um, I remember a particular example for a certain company. We had posted a graduate program, and the technical one was the last position we actually filled. And then what happened is we had gotten these guys who had, uh, had first class from JQuad, yeah, in computer science. So we reached out to the school. They sent out their first class people. And then I gave them this assessment on SHL, the aptitude, and I don't know which is the next Mm -hmm. diagram on the whatever, so such kind of assessment. So the first time I gave them, nobody got above 40. And they were so discouraged because you can see the results. So nobody got above 40. So I went back to my hiring manager, like, hey, madam, (laughs) this assessment, nobody has gotten above 40. So she said, give them the test again. So I called them back to do the same test again still nobody got above 40 and now these are the first class people so he went back to the director of it who had already luckily 
they had already met the director of IT he had already interviewed them and he said no i interviewed those guys i've talked to them they're good guys they're competent let's disregard the the assessment and he he took them he took them in because he had already talked to them and he saw that they were that they were good guys so it's a mix of things what most companies in Kenya do is the cv you know that's you don't even get to other stages most people just have the the cv and then that's that's it again the other mishap with that we have applicant tracking systems which save cvs based on keywords mm. so we tell somebody will tell you oh customize your cv to do this and this and there's a certain company where the ceo wanted to test their their applicant tracking system and he got five of his top engineering guys to apply for a mid level role that he had posted and only two got selected mm. the top five guys in the entire company they got selected another one didn't even make it through his own process the ceo of the company didn't pass mm. like the applicant tracking system you know sieved him out at stage one mm. and that's when he knew okay this is actually not working not working for us which brings another point that Sometimes you are told as a product manager or a business person you should be able to test your own product. Yeah. You can't be cooking for people and you don't eat, eat your own food. So exactly. if you put yourself in the candidate's shoes, then you can be able to see maybe some of the places where things are actually uh I don't know getting lost or not being done correctly. But he chose he you know he took that initiative and said let me test out our system and not just assume people are writing bad CVs or whatever yeah so another question i have is what do companies that from experience companies at different levels of the life cycle of a business what do they look for when hiring for talent let's say they're looking for a c suite level executive or something of that sort so what different things do these companies at different stages look out for mm-hmm. so i think it depends on the on the company um but so we have business competencies we have leadership competencies and technical competencies so technical competencies would be your sales manager you have to be able to sell mm. that's simple yeah mm. leadership competency if you are sales manager then that means you have to be able to manage and lead and direct people so that has, so i can tailor some questions in the interview to be able to figure that out how do you manage a situation where for example i don't know your man your junior person has done this and this so situational kind of a kind of questions then you have uh, sometimes business competencies to be able to see what's this person's outlook like because this at the end of the day is a business and then being able to understand how do you handle clients how do you handle things like that uh, but that's just an example of one company so you'd have a different company maybe like andela having different things that they that they look out for maybe for them technical will be more to maybe form 70% of the questions and then other kinds of things like uh, the soft skills would form 30% so it's up to the the company others would test culture more than other people like cuz maybe for them they've seen maybe guys come in and go out because of the culture fit and stuff like that so they want to know would you be able to to handle this kind of a culture so it depends on the on the company but i think there are things that are almost standard to some extent like 
you'd know for a managerial position you need to be able to manage people you need to be able to set strategy yeah so you need to be able to communicate for example and then um you'd find for entry level roles maybe it's just the one to test your delivery how do you work under pressure how do you handle multiple things at the same time so i think different levels are ask for for different things um again some of this information is available online there are so many questions so many questions and uh, and information you can get uh, you can get online for for different kinds of, of things yeah again uh, so when you look at hiring from the side of the entrepreneur who starting their own business so how exactly would you advise someone to go about setting their HR policy and hiring process should they like some house some entrepreneurs do it like say they they meet you they interview you then they say oh you're a good fit come work for me others maybe there some who prefer more systemic process or something that is more structured so what's your take on that um i think one of the things i would tell startups is just because you are a startup doesn't mean that you shouldn't have standards mm. or you shouldn't act in a professional way yeah um because sometimes you could be a startup and you want to hire a CTO but this CTO has like 10 years of experience and maybe they are coming more from a corporate side so you are meeting this person a java you are wearing shorts and they're like this person is not serious yeah so yeah. so understanding the candidate and stuff like that they're understanding also what you want Peter Thiel says like the first 20 people in your company are very important because they're the ones who set the culture that for your company yeah? so the first 20 people are very very critical so and if you mess that up we always say in HR it costs more to hire the wrong person than it takes to hire the right person so if you get somebody who is bad they can it's it's like a bad apple it's going to to make everything else in the company rot yeah which again sometimes means you also have to trust your instincts sometimes you trust your gut not bias but sometimes the same way for a, for a candidate if you go through an interview process or application process and you get a bad signal yes. sometimes you should trust your instinct because yeah. how people treat candidates yeah. is how they treat employees right. so somebody is treating you badly at the interview stage and somebody is not even asking you do you have a glass of water how are you how was your day blah 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 this and this then that's most likely how they they also treat employees so you also need to assess that sometimes trust your trust your instinct that's how most of the hiring for the first 20 people is done it's not yes you have the job description and 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 all that mostly it's because whatever we are selling as a startup is different from what a larger company is selling because you have little to go on you know mm-hmm. i don't have 100 million dollars that i raised so i can't tell you oh okay come from this company i'll give you a 20% increase again if you understand human psychology we are motivated more by emotional reasons than logical reasons so somebody doesn't move to a company because of the money mm. so that means we have to pitch more about why why are we doing why 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 is what you're doing important what would happen if you shut down today as a company you know who's going to suffer why does it matter so if we appeal more to the emotional state of a person then you can convince somebody from google to come and join that's how people left yahoo to join to join our whatsapp again even the whatsapp found himself say that hiring process took like 6 months 
I was literally begging people, taking them to dinner, like, you know, come and work for, for WhatsApp. I have this idea and it wasn't even big. It didn't have any funding or anything like that. But it took longer because he knew I'm not, I can't give you the stock options Yahoo is giving you. I can't give you, I don't know, free yogurt like Google. <laughs> But once in a while, I'll take you out for lunch or we are really solving a really big problem. So how you pitch it is different and it might take a bit longer. But those people end up being more of your friends than anything else. So again, that's why I say there's a value to you being small mm -hmm. than a larger company. I can tell you for a certain company that I will not mention. <laughs> I didn't even, like I didn't even know who was on second floor. Honestly, I didn't know who was on first floor or who... You, I, you know, there was a time, the only time I met everybody is in, in HR when we had the end of year party. party. That's when now I met all, and just HR alone, I'm not even talking of the bigger company, uh, of everybody else in the team. So you have an advantage of, uh, by being small that you can have more closer relationships with people mm -hmm. than, and I've met a lot of people that I talk to still, till now and people who tell you how are you still doing mm -hmm. you know i will help you so many people are giving me free stuff for free stuff that you know things that they would charge other people for but somebody just believes in what they do and they will say you know i can't work for you because maybe i need money but i'll design i don't know your logo for you or i'll design this and this for you for free mm -hmm. so a lot of that has happened just because you convince people that you're doing the right thing mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get your input mostly when it comes to the young generation um, in the form of when, when you finish university, the first thing you want to do is get a job and not just any job, a high paying job. So is it, do you think maybe the youth are having a wrong mentality compared to the older people like our parents who had that mentality, they need to go get the jobs, the brown envelope situation. Um, and then whichever level you, you're given, you start working from there going higher instead of now how our perspective is that once you finish, you expect to be given a high position because you have masters or you're very good at your element. Do you think, like for example, when you say that you started as an intern at ABL, you did internship at before ABL, another mm -hmm. company. Yeah. So do you think maybe the perspective that we are having is a bit different or wrong, I don't know, to some extent, or yeah. um, the reality. And yeah. just to add on to what she said, um, at what point do you stop interning? Because I've met people who are interns at 35, yeah. right? And I think in Kenya we have this, uh, well, I, I, I guess it's everywhere where you have a bad employer. Like just someone who wants to exploit you and squeeze out so much value and not pay you anything or compensate you in any way, shape, or form. So at what point do you say, okay, you know what? Uh, I may have a degree, I may have a master's, I may not even have any degree, but I am of value and I should demand some form of compensation. However much you want, that's usually a personal thing, but should you intern for free? Um, whose decision is that? Is it you who doesn't know your own value or is it the company that's exploitative? You know? Yeah. Um, so I think to, to answer that from an employer's perspective, it's also how they choose 
to do the internship policy mm. whatever they'll say for example most companies will say our internships are for people who are currently students and it's like i think like also ebl they just want people who are really you know for them it's an attachment program for for the school and then you have others who would be willing to take people who've graduated or even done like maybe even after one year after you've graduated so it depends on the company policy the truth is most companies don't even have an internship policy most of them don't say you know like okay it's been one month since you've been with us how are you doing this and this so we don't even have like performance appraisal we don't have even a job description mm. for you so you're just coming in and you don't even know what you'll be coming in to do you just go the hr then hr intern and then you start oh say i don't know get me coffee get this from me from the printer and this and this so you feel undervalued so i think most of the onus is on the employer to be able to put much thought into it because um i wrote another blog about uh some of the people that we are dismissing that could be good guys and one of them is the fresh graduates and interns because if i can be able to convince you from that early stage that you know we are the best choice for you most likely you'll be able to to stay with the company longer than just me getting somebody later on so a lot of people have been able to rise in companies by starting out as as interns yeah and then um but again i do feel like there's something you should be able to give back i've seen the minimum what uh people in kenya do is 15 to 20000 per month mm. for interns the ones that i've seen um i don't know if there's anybody who's doing above 20 um but that's something good because my first internship I was not being paid so that means my parents had to provide the transport for me and food um yebel were just for example being given a stipend but at least if it's something small maybe it's catering for your transport so it's better than it's better than just not having anything and at least also there it was different cuz food was being catered for so you're not thinking of lunch but then you don't know somebody's situation you don't know this person could be the first person that their family to go to campus so the family is waiting for them they are hope okay now we've graduated you now we are waiting to see something which is the traditional kind of mm-hmm. setting that okay now you finish campus so now we want to see the car we want to see you get married we want to see money and things like that which is unfair because out of uh for example the 2018 class KCSE we're only going to have one job for every 1000 of those candidates mm. so meaning it's true if you do the calculations from all the people who even go to tvet not even mm. campus alone so the the jobs are very few so i think as a candidate if you also realize that that there is no time the job market is going to level out because industries are not increasing unless yeah. something new is happening mm. i always say i can't fire somebody to hire you So where is your job going to come from? So the accountant we had five years ago, if they've not left, there is no I can the company can only let's say have two people in finance. So there's no way. So but every year how many people are coming out just in accounting alone, not from even campuses. Think of campuses and then colleges. Just accounting alone. Mm-hmm. Where are all those people going to mm-hmm. to go to? So I think then it also calls on the government to think about how as an economy we are performing because now when we have new industries think about how many people have been uh, given jobs because of tesla mm. 
Uber because now Uber the company is there. How many people? Yeah, Google has over 40,000 people. Like when Google had the riot, I don't know, last year, it almost felt like a demonstration. How do you have <laughs> people in like more than 40 countries rioting and it becomes such a big deal? Because the company has become so huge. But we don't have that in Africa. I don't know which is the largest company we have in Kenya. I don't know how big they are. So unless on this side of the scale, the companies are also growing, mm. then we are lying to people always promising jobs. Like the government's always saying that we are promising jobs, but this side is not increasing. So logically, the numbers are not adding up, and they, they won't add up unless like something... Happens. Something happens, something very big. So be real. I try to like be realistic. Yeah. Be realistic about it. Don't be like what oh, she said, so hopeful. Yes, there is, you know, you have to be positive as you're going through the process and all that. But be realistic about it. That I'm sending my application to this company. They've probably gotten over 300 applications for this job. So let me just, my chances are 50 50. Mm -hmm. And I'd be willing to do something. Yeah. And just in that same line of thought, um, what's your view on side hustles? Because I think in our generation, you are going to do that three-month unpaid internship, but money has to come from somewhere, whether that's your parents, whether that's your uh, family members, whether that's your side hustle. Um, I remember going for an interview sometime last year, um, and the CEO was actually the person in charge of recruiting. So, you know, it's a startup um, in the web development space. And he's French, so he said specifically that, oh, you know, I don't hire people with side hustles. But the pay was about 40,000 Kenya shillings a month. And so if you, I mean, I, I currently don't have kids. I don't have anyone I'm taking care of besides myself. Um, so that's something that, even though I were to get the job, it's, it's a bit sustaining. It's not much, but it's something that at least you're not going to sleep hungry. But if, if a, a mother is applying for that job or someone who has kids or someone who is paying rent or someone who has other competing priorities, maybe they have health issues that they need to take care of, um, they may take on that job, but they probably need that side hustle, whatever that means. Whether your side hustle is you selling clothes, you selling, doing people's hair, you selling electronics, whatever side hustle means to you, most Kenyans need a side hustle because their salaries, even at management level, is probably not that much or not enough to sustain their families or their livelihoods or their aspirations, right? Because I feel like Kenyans um, should not be shamed for wanting to travel and go for a tech conference in South Africa that's going to, you know, improve their, um, I guess, accelerate their career or expand their networks. But I think sometimes when it comes to pay, it's very limited. But at the same time, your employer wants everything from you, but doesn't want to compensate you as much. Um, yeah, what's your view on side hustles? <laughs> so what's your definition of side hustle? A side hustle is um, something you do to earn extra income, whether that's a multiple revenue stream or passive income, but you still have a full-time job. I, I, I assume that if you don't have a full-time job and you're doing a side hustle, that's your main hustle. Mm -hmm. uh, but Kenyans, I mean, um, I'm curious to you know what's everyone's view of a side hustle. Um, yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, Eugene, Victor, Cynthia, Kevin. For me, my yeah. view of a side hustle is, oh, sorry. My view of a side hustle is, uh, it, it depends on, 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 on 
the mindset with which you're starting right. this alternative revenue stream of yours. Mm. So if you're starting with the intent of it, of, of you scaling it up and it becoming something big and greater, I don't think it's technically a side hustle because that's not the 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 main goal. A side hustle to me is something that will bring you some income on the side but won't necessarily grow into something big. Full time. Yeah, right. yeah. You won't be able to scale it in the long term. You won't be able to leave your main job and transition into this thing that you are you are doing on the side. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think actually part of the reason I mentioned the fact that he was French is because in Europe you can literally live on a full time job. You there's no urge or there's no unless you really want to be an entrepreneur, you really do not need a side hustle. Mm-hmm. But in Africa, that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll find someone has worked for 20 years in maybe a government job, and they are earning X amount. That's just not going to grow ever. Personally, I know someone who um, works in a bank, mm-hmm. and he stays in that job because of the networks. But then he has this other business where he sells um, sausages, mm-hmm. And the, the revenue he gets from the business, it's actually more than um, the salary that he gets from from the bank. But he, he told me that um, he stays in that job because of the benefits uh, in terms of insurance, health, all those um, extra benefits that he gets. So a side hustle for me, it's basically just extra income. It doesn't mean that it, it has to take over your other life. It's just compartmentalizing how you spend your time to get that income. Yeah. I think I agree with Michelle when it comes to side hustles. Mm-hmm. Um, in the form of, you need, can, in Kenya for example, I, I always complain about taxes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we've, talk, we've talked about it before. So you, you realize you're being taxed 30% of what you're making. Mm-hmm. And you might say, yes, I'm earning 200,000 or whatever. And then you realize all you're getting in your bank account is 130 shillings, which is a real reality. Um, so it comes again to beg the question, where do you want to take your kids to school, all these investments that you need to make. So side hustle is actually something that you do on the side, but it could be making more income than what you're making, farming for example. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be, you could have more than one and they're all priori- like making more than what you're, you're having. But the reason why people would opt to stay in, an, in a formal setting of job is because you're having a constant way of making money even when you you know just six a form of security yeah Yeah. Mm. but is 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 that is that mainly driven by fear because if for example you have i know of someone who works at uh, a reputable company the person started a a side hustle but eventually he ended up having several companies on the side they all make a lot of cash <laughs> yeah he has a security business yeah. mm. full-fledged it has guards dogs dogs and other 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 businesses on the side they all make him a lot of money way multiple times of what he answers but he won't leave his 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 yeah. his original job yeah. i don't so, yeah. yeah i don't think that's a problem because yeah. at the end of the day if if my time for example eight from eight to five that's a normal day job and at the same time my other jobs are running concurrently mm-hmm. but i'm not the one i don't need to be physically there mm-hmm. to manage i feel like any form of income you can get even by me making an appearance and getting Ten thousand out of the appearance, then you know it's it's a form of money, making money. Mm-hmm. So it's it's um, now bringing the question back to Stella. Mm-hmm. Do you think companies will be able to accommodate um, side hustles, and to what extent then can you be able to accommodate? Specifically, even in software development, yeah. because mm-hmm. you find that maybe you're working as 
a software developer in or a software engineer in a company mm-hmm. but you're able to take on other freelance yeah. projects to develop websites or to you know help your friend with that logo for their company or just any sort of design creative um, problem solving that you need to do but a lot of employers don't like that because they think that value should be i guess put into the company because software development is a cognitive skill. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to think and focus and be logical and think in an abstract way. So if you're diverting your focus, I think yeah. they assume actually that's what that um, employer told me. He was mm-hmm. like, "No, I don't employ people with side hustles because they can't focus on my company." Yeah. Okay. yeah. I like saying recruitment is a lot like dating because yeah. it's because <laughs> it's it's matchmaking, yeah? yeah. It's actually yeah. matchmaking. And for example, uh, would you date the first person, the first girl that you meet when you, let's say, go to Moringa for an event? Would you go and marry that the first person that you Depends. see? <laughs> 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 but most likely, no. Yeah? yeah, that's why we have the the dating phase because yeah. I'm trying to see how we are matched to each other. Mm. So in the same way, I tell candidates that. The same way the employer is evaluating you, it's also your chance to evaluate the employer. And you have as much right to say yes or no as the employer has. So you also, it, it's a 50-50 kind of a situation. Nobody has more bargaining power than the other person. I need you and you also need me. Mm-hmm. So it's, which is a fact. But then I think situations have made it, uh, in Nigeria now, HR people are being called demigods. Because they've put themselves like on a higher pedestal, but that's not true. Like candidates also need to know, and that's why it's called compensation. You are paying me for something that I'm doing for my skills, for my time and my expertise and all that. So it's kind of a 50-50 situation. So what I mean is, if somebody, for example, um, is parting and you don't like that, then you're not going to waste your time with this person. You're just going to tell them, you know, I don't think our values are the same. Uh, we should end this, so we shouldn't take it uh, any further. And then you try out somebody else. So in the same way, also have a, uh, certain things that you're looking out for in the employer. Mm-hmm. And again, buying is personal. The reason why this person would join Moringa is not the same reason why this person would join Moringa. We were in the same, uh, for example, company, but you have somebody who, for example, for myself, I hardly used my medical insurance. And even when I used it, I used it because I knew it was there. So I'm like, oh my God, my tooth is aching. Okay, let me go to Karen Hospital. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I do. Those are there to Karen Hospital and I saw four different doctors. <laughs> I hope my employer is not. <laughs> uh, but, but you see, so I used it because I knew um, I'm like, there's nobody I'm taking care of and, and all that. But then when we, when, we, when we do the medical insurance reconciliations and you get this person who, I don't know, the kid has a certain illness, a lifelong illness. This other one has eye problems. This other one, I don't know, has this. The person themselves maybe is reliant on spectacles. And then you look at somebody's medical claims report and you're like, wow. You're being given, like, let's say, one M a year, and this person has fully exhausted that. And before, it would be like, how do you exhaust one million? And then you hear their story and how, because we discuss some of these things in HR, because, of course, we're done processing those medical uh, claims, but 
you're, we are not the same. You know, we are not the same. And you find sometimes somebody coming and saying, oh, remove this child, put this other one, because maybe this one is sicker than this other one who doesn't get sick. So we're in the same company. We have the same level of uh, medical insurance, but I'm not, at that time, I'm not thinking about, about that. Another one, uh, when the company, when you come in and then you are told, oh, join our retirement savings. I don't know, every, almost every company has that, or I don't know, a circle or whatever. Mm. To me, it was like, no, 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 just give me my salary, I'm okay. But then you look at people's payslip social saying, somebody is earning 200K, and there are so many deductions. There's the car loan, there's this circle, there's this circle, there's this circle. So... Maybe because of age, then there's the difference, things like responsibilities come in. Or this one now has said I'm earning 200K. So you've stopped living in the one bedroom. Now you've moved to Westlands because yeah. status yeah. is more important to you. Yeah. So now you, you have to be seen coming from Lovington in the morning. Yeah. And the houses along Waiyaki Way. So same salary. But we are after different, we are after different things. That's mm -hmm. why the market offers different things. Mm -hmm. You'll say, oh, there's a stand. Oh, it falls upside down. I don't know. It does this. So 200K. I'm not going to spend 200K on a phone. Mm -hmm. But they're not stupid to make that phone. People buy, people pre-order that phone. And they know that. That's why they'll make the S10 and they'll make the J1. They'll make the <laughs> S2. They, they know that. Um, people are people are different and they're after different mm. things. So even as an employer, you have to be specific about the kind of people that you're after. If that's what the company has decided, you know, we want certain type of people, this and this, it's okay. So you know what? Good riddance. It's okay. It was yeah. nice to meet you. Thank you. And, and, and move on. You also have a say, a say in it. Again, like I said at the hiring event at Moringa, to me, I look at side hustles as outside interest. The same way now, I am so glad as a person. If I code now, it's not. I'm not, I'm not coding to generate money. Mm. Yeah, but yesterday I was up at night coding. It's like it's a different world for me. So instead of just being everything for me is in HR, like I said at the beginning, because I've experienced a world outside of HR, it has made it has made my my. Uh, my whole view of HR completely different. I wouldn't be able to understand what a UX person is if right. I don't go through UX. Mm. I wouldn't yeah. understand why somebody would be stuck on a bag for a week if I had not gone through the same, mm. the same problem. Mm. So like I said at the event, for me, I don't look at side hustles as oh, this thing you are doing to earn income. It's just have outside interest. Again, you have to remember that you're not here to live forever. Mm -hmm. So life is not work and work is not life. Because we're sometimes so focused on employment and the employer and everything has to feed that. Um, such that you have people who are going on leave and then you're, you're in the house, you have carried your laptop, you're using your work phone. Like, mm -hmm. So you're just working, but it's a different environment mm. like you're still working and somebody i have to convince you to why you should put your phone down and and things like that and i've seen i've seen that i even ask myself what was i doing when i was working but at least that time we didn't have whatsapp but these days i do there's the whatsapp groups they slack there's this and this then leave their laptop at home and say you forgot 
the office and say you Fell forgot uh, you forgot it so yeah. what i'm trying to say is you have to look out for yourself because the employer is looking out for their own interest exactly. yeah. so in the same way you have to take care you have to take care of yourself and so we have this uh, rugby player who's a kenyan seven rugby player a big guy this and this and he has a very nice food blog mm. i don't know it's called it's in Okay, not in Jera, not in Jera. There's another guy. I know it's called what women cook or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. And I saw it on Twitter because you were saying, "Oh, go to my blog. You can cook two different things and then share the photos, and then you'll win somebody. And somebody knows that I love cooking and tagged me. Then I went and I saw his Facebook page, his videos. I'm like, ah, how is this even possible? But he's Yes, he's doing the rugby mm. and he's a guy, but he loves cooking and he has a following because, you know, we like the food. It has nothing to do with the fact that you are a rugby player and whatever. He can say, oh, how will people perceive me? How will this and this, this and this? But it's like, this is what I love doing. So you want to do salsa, you go do that. You want to, to code on the side, as long as what was said at the event, it's not a direct conflict of interest mm. with your employer. And how all these other things that you're doing on the side? Because I think it's going to be sad if you die and you just lived one life. You know, you die and you'll be replaced your whole the life. After. You were just <laughs> yeah. was just code. Your whole life was just accounting mm. and and stuff like that. I have my code friends, my developer friends. I've not seen, and we live in Nairobi, the same place. And I come to see. I'm like, you know what? I'm not go- going to beg to see you. Like, it's ridiculous. We mm. are in the same place mm. and have not seen you for six months, for seven wow. months. That doesn't make sense mm. to me. So, also, I think now for the chart person, if you've noticed this, that your people just have one life, it's up to you to to do something about it. For example, McKinsey, just here, McKinsey, even Kenya, they've come up with groups inside the companies. So, you have people who jog, and they go, let's go mountain climbing, let's go to Ngong. There's a group for that. There's another group for people who like cooking. There's another group for people who like doing something. And the company the company is aware of that. Mm. Amen, Stella. Amen. What <laughs> <laughs> this advice? Do not limit yourself. I think that as Kenyans, sometimes, even when we limit ourselves too much, and I think that we shouldn't fear pursuing our goals and being seen in being, being seen in a different light other than what we yeah. have put out there i think and the employer problem. doesn't have to know why do you yeah. have to know mm-hmm. that i code over the weekend why do you have to know that i do salsa over the weekend if you come across my food blog on twitter okay sour sour you know <laughs> but then i'm not going to say it at the interview like okay on saturdays i do this you know after work at night i'm a salsa dan- i'm a salsa <laughs> trainer i'm not going to say that unless maybe i feel it's going to be relevant in some way so don't also say things everything that i know about you is what you've told me simple as that everything i'm not going to this is not kot where we're going to dig up 10 years of of your stuff like most, most of the time after the interview process that's done or oh, give us your id cards i don't know give us a copy of your this you entered into the system and life starts so anything else that you choose to tell me that you're divorced that you are this that you are this it's you're the one who's telling me and it's giving me more reasons to discredit you mm-hmm. so you don't have to say something if it's not a direct conflict with whatever the company 
is is doing and i think um also sometimes the the hope that when you're looking for a job or looking for work the hope is that you end up in a positive workspace where people value what you do and where you are also learning and growing and your employer or your partner whether you're an entrepreneur they allow you that space to just learn grow and still i guess earn a livelihood but that's not always the case so you'll find that yes you've gotten that amazing job it has all these promises but one month after or a year after maybe the workplace is toxic maybe your boss is toxic whatever toxic means in terms of harassment or how they talk to you or what people tolerate in the in the in the environment so whether that's even wage theft right you'll find that you've signed a contract with someone one month after or some months down the line they're not able to pay you or they revise the contract which i think is illegal mm-hmm. um so what what happens what should you do should you go the legal way of suing as an employee or should you just leave because i think that sometimes when we create this culture where okay something bad happens let me just leave and quit mm. you've left that place but someone else will come in and go through the same thing so what what should you do um as an employee in Kenya maybe i'm not well versed with the law but what what yeah what sort of action should you take uh, so remember a few months ago we had the toxic. hashtag toxic workplaces mm. yeah, yeah? Mm-hmm. and uh, one of the things i said is number one, as an employee you can't protect yourself if you don't understand um, your obligations and also your rights yeah and i say things we have five uh, five laws in kenya that govern hr no i think now it's six because of the ihrm act or hr professionals act but then we have things like the employment act which will tell you the things that should be in your contract probation period you can't be in probation i don't know for one year things like that so those are things that are said in the things like we are supp- the workplace actually is supposed to provide water there should be fresh air and stuff like that so those are things mm-hmm. that in the employment act then there are things like the labor relations one which will talk about not the strikes the cbas and stuff like that yeah. and the president knows even if i say this actually these people have a right as provided by law to strike or to say one or two things so and there there are very few i think so there are, there are five uh six of them right now and they're not very long it's very basic english that you can understand that an employment contract is supposed to have the date you're starting i don't know this your salary it's very basic things that you can understand number two, like i've said all over again you are also evaluating the employer and you have some time to do that before because employment is not something that happens in one day and then you start tomorrow yeah, mm-hmm. yeah? for example a certain technical uh, tech company here here in Kenya in Nairobi that wanted to hire me for a certain position what happened is uh, i went for their design event i had gone through their interview process i had talked to different managers in the company but then they had a design event i attended that event because of the design aspect but also to give me a backed up picture of the company and then you know i'm seated behind i'm looking at how people are handling the whole thing what kind of people are here this and this but i was also evaluating the company they didn't know that you know it's just or oh, this person has just attended this event at moringa school but you know i was paying attention to everything that was happening and that's that, that day i decided i wasn't going to join the mm. company because of one or two things the things um, that i saw happening mm-hmm. so 
what I said even that day with the toxic workplaces, you have to also evaluate the company. From the interview, talk to previous people. I go to LinkedIn, I just say, you know, you see somebody has worked at Google. And I ask them, hi, I've seen you've worked at Google. I've seen this and this position. I'm interested in it. The easiest question, again, one of the, uh, the best metrics in business is the NPS score, where we ask you, would you recommend this to a friend? Mm. That is the same most important metric for you as a candidate. Ask somebody, would you recommend this to a friend or a family member? And you'd be shocked what people, people would tell you. So just ask, find out, ask people who've worked there and stuff like that. Use your networks again. You just never know. Maybe somebody, there's an interview I was going to and I called my HR friend. I told them, oh, I went for this interview to this and this bank. And she knew HR people who had worked at that company and who had left because the HR manager was toxic. So HR people are leaving that company because of that. So like I said at the hiring event at Moinga School the other day, mm-hmm. you can't expect to go to such an event and the employer will say something bad about themselves. Mm. Mm. Nobody will say that. The same way if you are dating, I'm not going now, this is our first date, and I'm like, you know, I drink too much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I used to beat my, my last am. girlfriend. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm yeah. not going to say that. So the same way... An employer is not going to discredit themselves, yeah? They're going to put all these, oh, you see, we have ping pong tables, we have this and this, we have this and this, but of course everybody is going to, to say that, yeah? So you have to go an extra mile because this is important to you. Again, this is life. You're not living forever. Mm. So don't go somewhere and you're going to be unhappy and, you know, or you live like some people. I know I've had the, the shortest time I've had is a, a company where somebody left after one week and <laughs> like the person just didn't show up at work. Yeah. Like because the manager was so bad yeah. and so many people are leaving the company and then you are not asking or finding out that there is actually a pattern it's this particular director right. who's causing people to leave. So the guy just didn't show up at work and he didn't claim anything that, oh, I've worked for a week. Like the kind of, you know, it is okay, good readers. I'm not even hearing anything about yeah. that. Yeah. So find out more from your networks. Just even post on WhatsApp, you know, on your WhatsApp status and say, guys, do you know anyone who works at this and this company? And people would be willing to, to share information with you. And what uh, tips? Yeah. Um, how much uh, HR hiring managers looking at my Twitter, Facebook, Instagram? Mm. And like on a personal level, how much do you think it should matter? So internationally, mm-hmm. 78% of managers actually look at social media. Mm. Locally, I don't think that's happening. But it's only happening for some situations. Uh, for example, um, I remember there's somebody who we had hired who had worked for a I don't know if it was a Christian NGO, but the company had looked at somebody on their, I don't know, social media, I, don't, I think it was Facebook, and they chose to, you know, to reject her because of that in terms of values. If you go to a company, for example, like World Vision, I think it's a Christian company, mm. um, they would look at such things. I've ever gone to an interview for one of the, is it, a, I don't know if it's a bank or a savings cooperative or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, back when I was, uh, I think I immediately left campus, and they asked me all these things in the interview, which of course they had not even said like, 
at the in the job description and stuff so they go and ask me are you a christian when did you get saved and stuff so i'm thinking this is <laughs> about like this <laughs> is about money i didn't know any of that yeah. they were telling me that information for the first time like this is actually a christian organization mm. and things like that so probably that company after five they meet for 30 minutes and pray and mm. have meetings or what fellowship <laughs> and stuff maybe that's what they do yeah but uh, i wish that told me before mm. uh because maybe somebody would even pick this person because they are catholic and this one is protestant because that's what they 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 look at again that's why i say there are many reasons why you may not uh, you may have been rejected for a job that's nothing to do with, with you, you. Yeah? yeah that completely nothing to do with you so i got to that interview and i'm being asked all these questions about my religion when i got saved i don't know my faith and things like that and, uh, and what about being fired because of not being a fit in that mm. regard because i remember a few years back i read of a place whereby it was uh, an sme in somewhere in nairobi so after the person was hired the person later on found out that the boss demanded things of them that were they weren't related to the job description at all so like every tuesdays and thursdays you have to meet in the morning at around 7 and pray and do all that stuff at, up to 8 8 am and other things like that so the person thought it was voluntary but eventually it's treated as voluntary but it's not voluntary so eventually it ended the, the, the boss ended up firing the person and the person So is there any recourse for the, it's is it illegal I think it's illegal I'm not sure and can you claim damages and uh, yeah So yeah definitely it is illegal um and I think that's in the employment act you know basic discrimination of any kind in Kenya is forbidden whether sexual orientation age even somebody saying in a job ad by the way that Uh, I don't know I'm looking for somebody who should be above 30 years that's illegal mm-hmm. you're not supposed to say that yeah but you see there's a lot of job ads that yeah. that people will say that again what I said in that hashtag the problem is also as a sector professionals like I said and like tech we don't meet we don't talk about these things there's no kind of a standard for example we know in tech I don't know we argue do you space do you tabs but we know there's a specific styling that your code should look presentable this is how you should comment out code this is how you know we we do things so you can't just every language almost has instructions to it and a way that you are supposed mm-hmm. to follow and i think that's good in hr we don't have that yeah so we find a lot of people who are just um they're just doing things the way they they think i know of a tech company in uh, in kenya in nairobi actually the last year they they lost six out of 12 of their developers in six months mm. six out of and it's a company like even if i would tell you all of you know about it mm. but it shows that you have this manager you have for example this cto he's technically technically good but nobody taught him how to handle people issues So I come and tell you for example something I had in the morning I was watching an interview about endometriosis and I don't know I don't know, uh, the long periods and all that. Mm-hmm. So a lady would come and tell you something like you know I'm having this issue for 3 days in a month I literally can't be at work the pain is too much because mm-hmm. this lady was saying how 
every time before now her periods come she has to go to the hospital where they do surgery mm-hmm. to inject her with whatever now they give people during surgery that's insane insane pain but i could even be a hr manager at that company and i'm female because may i take panadol i'm like you what kind of a pain is this or oh, you're lying you're lying and stuff like that so hr is not abc it's not logical yeah a lot of the things that we do is not logical how you handle people it's not logical but then we don't train people at this you know we feel like we hired you as a devops manager you're coming with 10 10 years of experience as a manager or a dev lead and whatever we assume that you are carrying these skills with you that's why the interview is limiting because it's like 15 minutes and we are making a long time choice that's why i asked you if you met somebody at an event do you mm. choose to marry them just out of that one that one instance mm. but that's what we are doing with CVs and with interviews it's just this short process and we are committing to a lifetime with this person and we actually don't know a lot of these other things but that's uh that's illegal and again like even i said with my situation they didn't disclose that in the job ad or in their career pages they didn't say we are christian organization they just said we are company that does abcd so make it clear from the word go and maybe if the person would also have talked to other people like i've said somebody would have told them that as somebody why did you leave this company it looks like a good company why did you leave and they will tell you higher there is a lot of mess in the tech department mm-hmm. and stuff like that this and this is what is is happening but that's uh, that's illegal because now you fired somebody on the basis of uh, religion again they are not going to do that because people are smart so they are going to make it like all mm, oh, performance issues and stuff mm, like that mm, mm. if it's worth it you can fight them if it's not i think you can just you know good readers i'm glad i didn't stay in that company mm. and um what tips would you have because i work in recruitment as well um but i think i try to deploy empathy uh but it's something that you can't really automate So on one hand people who work in recruitment especially now in the age of tech and AI and data science you try and you're encouraged to avoid bias um a lot of human bias that we have so maybe uh, because I have a masters I'm more inclined to hire people who have qualifications because I think oh you know I struggle so other people should struggle too or maybe because oh you know I have a tech background I'll only employ people who are tech savvy when that's not always the case so we're really encouraged to avoid bias and to use a lot of logic when it comes to selecting the right people but i think as humans one thing that can't be automated is creativity and empathy so fine a machine or some algorithm will tell you that this is the most qualified person based on their competencies and what the keywords you know pop up in their resume or based on how they you know write their cover letter or how well you know they got 90% in a technical assessment but when it comes to them being a good hire sometimes you just need that human instinct to make that decision so how do you balance i'm sure there are some people working in recruitment who are listening and we're trying to balance using technology but you also using our human i guess decision making mm-hmm. instinct which is it's just something that we can't really automate or um sort of leave out when it comes to recruiting people and i think like that's one of the hardest part of ai i yeah. don't know how many here um have studied ai mm-hmm. but for example we are making a an automated car 
and then uh, we are going to have an accident it's maybe unavoidable and then you have let's say the one year old baby and you have the 80 year old yeah. person how do you, how is the car going to decide mm. who it's going to to hit yeah mm. so that's been the problem with automation as well because um in in ai we are trying to mimic a lot about how the human brain works but the human brain is divided half into you know we have the the logical brain and then we have the emotional brain so it's been harder <laughs> copy pasting or coping the emotional side of side of things which makes ai harder for example amazon was using ai in their hiring last year and they had to let go of it because they realized it was saving out women like just uh the bias that comes from uh from ai and machine mm-hmm. learning mm-hmm. so last year now they decided they were not going to use it anymore but it's the same way humans work that in machine the same way in machine learning sometimes with bias you don't even realize you're being biased mm. That that's why racists will never agree that they're that racist because yeah. or you'll or never say you know yeah. <laughs> yeah they don't even know yeah. yeah so there's an aspect of you don't know meaning you are not aware of actually how your brain works and how you came to develop certain beliefs that to a large extent was not mm-hmm. your fault like this information is just at any single point your brain is processing such large amounts of information that you are not even aware of mm. and then now these uh, people now who deny that that is even happening and you tell yourself oh i'm in control of myself mm-hmm. i mean but the reality is not you're only like the subconscious controls a lot of what mm. a lot of what you what you do right mm. so in terms of that um, there are companies like clever in us they chart uh, company they actually train any person involved in hiring mm-hmm. to be able to realize they have bias like yeah. let people already know it's it's a natural thing that you you have bias if people are trained on that at least then they can be able to do something different about that and we can say or oh, instead of having one person let's have three people let's have four people in the interview exactly. so then we get a more objective opinion so they train their people mm-hmm. to be aware to be aware of that again there is the challenge with recruitment especially in Africa the numbers are more than whatever we can handle mm. i i posted on twitter and i said that we are getting at least 300 applications for any job mm. and my friend from uh, paystack nigeria told me wow that's even lucky for you here we, we get 9000 applications for one job and of course i told him these differences because I, of course like nigeria is like i don't know 10 kenyas or something like that <laughs> but even just uh, kenya alone yeah that's why unilever decided to automate their process cost 250,000 applications for a graduate program where you are picking 40 people yeah. is just is really a lot kpmg mm-hmm. get over 45 uh, 4500 mm-hmm. i don't know pwc around the same number that they even have to hire people during the graduate training process like to handle that process which becomes an extra cost which of course the company is not willing to okay. you know to incur so it's just oh let's go at the first 500 or let's say if you don't have a b plus in maths you don't come in mm. if you didn't have an a in english so we just mm. sometimes uh, hr people use those metrics to easily 
save out people because mm. again you want the empathy but i can't meet with every person i can't give everybody feedback uh about the application it's it's humanly impossible yeah so my question would be what are signs of a good interv uh, someone seeking employment candidate a, a good candidate mm. exactly so maybe they're showing they're diversified in their skill set or yeah and what are, what is a bad sign of a good of a bad candidate what are signs of a bad candidate yeah and to add to that before you answer so you answer it together like the qualities that you think candidates fail fail in when they're in an interview process are they trainable and if they are hot as this various ways that they can sort of train mm -hmm. themselves to improve mm -hmm. on like the soft skills and everything like yeah. what are the various ways they can use to improve on those aspects yeah so definitely i think almost every human quality that you have is something that you can learn mm. almost everything that you know you didn't wake up knowing these things you you learned whatever it is somebody taught you how to speak and somebody taught you how to speak in public when you are told by your english teacher come and read your composition in front of the <laughs> class mm. so you you learn as you as you go along right but there are some basic things that people are getting wrong for example i remember once i was interviewing a developer and then i asked him uh so okay why are you interested in working with jobonics like what do you know so far about jobonics and he said something completely different, different. different. and yeah. uh, no even uh, uh, <laughs> I'm trying really to mention it. Mention. There's a family, let me be vague. There's a family person. Uh, they were hiring people. And so they asked this person, like, okay, what do you know about this company? And the person also says something completely off. So my sister comes and asks me, now you people in HR, like, this is what you guys, you guys go, go through because... I mean like this guy just saw something on TV and then what um why um my family person was shocked it's cuz she kept telling me we delayed the interview like uh it kept on time kept on spilling and spilling so this person had like more than an hour at the reception yeah so let's say you didn't prepare well but this person sat at the reception where their brochures where there's a screen <laughs> there showing interviews that have been done by this company like on TV and stuff like that so there's all these marketing materials around him for like a whole hour then he comes back to the interview and he still gets it wrong that's what was shocking my uh, my friend more like you know how how does this not make sense so that has happened to me and i keep hearing a lot about it so there are people who don't prepare at mm. all you know at all you don't even put effort into it and again it's going and to, it shows it's yeah. going to show yeah mm. um because then it's like okay then this means it's not important to you so mm. that's going to be a very easy dismissal for and i me think in my case even just to add on to what you've said about when it shows that you haven't prepared, I think it makes you a bad candidate because it shows, is this how you'll take your work? Yeah. You know, even though you get the job, even though you're excused and someone's like, okay, maybe they were sick that day or maybe something that happened that day, let's just employ them and then we'll train them. I think there's a way that even when you have grammatical errors in your resume, 
you can't help but think, well, if I employ this person, they might send an email that's just off to someone really important or an investor. So it's very indicative of how you carry, how you carry um, the work that you're given, um, in my view. It speaks to your character. Yeah. It does, it does. Because, like, for example, the, the dev I had interviewed and it said something completely opposite. You'd rather say, like we said at the beginning, oh, I didn't... Uh, yeah. I didn't read up on that or I didn't uh, you'd rather just say that than mm. now you are saying I don't know Jabonics is I don't know a manufacturing company or something yeah. like you you know because the moment he say that immediately in my head I knew I'm mm. not going to to take this guy even if he's a good he's a good dev like I mean that's you so you'd rather be honest because yeah. then I'm going to see oh, okay even now when we hire you you're going you to keep lying mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. stuff and mm-hmm. all that. So, again, also, it's your chance. Everything I know about you, it's what you're presenting to me, mm-hmm. like I said. So, if you come, you're disorganized, you're not dressed properly, some things that look like basics, but people are getting it wrong every single time, you know. Again, also, I know HR people have a role to play in terms of just being honest and saying, I've had even companies that will tell you we'll be testing on ABCD, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm. but very few companies will do that so that, you know, don't waste your time and whatever. Because sometimes we come to an interview and then we ask you, oh, tell me a situation where you did this. Now you have to remember two years ago. And it's like, that's why the interview is only 11% effective. Because also we are making another assumption that because you behave this way mm. in this situation yeah. now you'll behave the same the same way it's mm. the same way as saying oh okay because you did not beat your ex now you're not going to beat me mm-hmm. it's not going yeah. to <laughs> it's not going to 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 work and that's like a that. human so, bias yeah. yeah 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 so it's human bias but also we've discovered uh through like years and all that like that assumption i've forgotten what uh, the name is like you assuming because this was your past because that's what cv is you know we are looking at your, your past, past trying to predict your future mm, and yeah. it's like if somebody look at looked at my past there was nothing to do with tech mm. so nobody would have ever predicted mm. i would go into into tech or whatever actually so, one question i have just again in addition to what you've said is um the gender bias so there's this um statistic that's I'm not quite sure where I got it from, but uh, women are hired based on achievement and men are hired or funded based on potential. So you'll find that when you're a woman interviewing for a job or applying for a job, people see and ask, well, what have you done so far? What have you done to deserve this? What have you accomplished so far? But for men seeking funding as entrepreneurs or seeking a job, I think they hired, at least that study came out and, and, and revealed that men are hired based on, okay, but they can grow, they can learn. If we give them the money, if only mm. they had the resources, mm. they, they, they'll do yeah, better. They do Which is why I love diversity and inclusion because you need people of different races, ages, class backgrounds, educational backgrounds in order for a company to be successful. But do you find that at least in Kenya or in your view, there's gender bias when it comes to how men are hired and how women are hired? Because it's it's still important to discuss. Yeah. So there's bias in two ways. There's the example you've given, and there's a bias in terms of uh, women will not apply for a job until they meet 100%, 100%. of the qualifications. Mm. Yeah. 
And then now there is also another bias in terms of if you look at a job description, our choice of words, this and this. So a lady will react to different things than how a man just naturally uh, from things like that. So again, like I said at the beginning, train people to be aware of these things because people are not aware. So you, to you, this is just a job description, but the women's, woman's brain, they are capturing different things from the job, but they're not the man. Is, uh, is getting. And then, uh, of course, I remember like uh, McKinsey saying that they had this program for next gen, I don't know, women leaders. So women leaders program at McKinsey. And we, you know, specifically said this is a women's program, but three men applied. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then now you have the ladies discrediting themselves. Ah, you know, this probably McKinsey, mm -hmm. they probably pick, I don't know this, you know, because you didn't have this one checklist in the, mm. you know, in the, in the job. Yeah. So now we have people turning that around and companies again, like Leva saying, like they're, they're, they're not having those, I don't know, master requirements. So they've re redesigned how their job ad is, how mm -hmm. they, they write it and stuff to remove the bullet points so they don't have that. They've mm -hmm. changed that and that has impacted how women apply mm -hmm. apply for their jobs. Again, because they've made themselves aware of that. Then we have, for example, bots that look at job descriptions and all that and will tell you, we think you'll, this is, you know, pick a different word from this one. Because again, that's happening internationally. I don't know if it's happening here. So, but we have bots that are helping that are helping with that. Yeah. So for the one that I've said about women, again, it's a confidence issue. Mm. You know, it's a confidence issue. So mm. uh, that one I don't know. <laughs> but the one for if it's about the company, then the company also can try and do and do something to to whether if it's to train people, make them aware about make them aware about that the other thing from your particular example standardize the interview process yeah, yeah? for example if um uh like safaricom hires on like the three competencies i said business leadership and so every kind of uh what we call the c what's it called cba the interview whatever whether it's for sales or whatever there is almost like a standard we know we are measuring these competences, these competences. We're not measuring the same things, of course, if I was looking for a, um, a knock engineer versus if I was looking for, for I don't know, the new bonga manager or whatever. It's mm -hmm. different things, but there's a standard in terms of the questions, the, like what the objective is at the end of the day. So there is a standard to it. So you don't have these interviews where you go and you feel like these guys are not even prepared for me. Yeah. There is no set of questions. Like they are thinking about these things from the top of yeah. their heads. Yeah. So if you standardize it, then it means, again, also if HR have looked at it and all this, then you are, you are marking everybody on the same kind set of questions. Mm. Yeah. Um, mm. On the flip side of what we were discussing before about preparedness, we saw a tweet from you that you were really excited about. Um, allow me to paraphrase, but it was, yes, you can bullshit through an interview. An interview. Mm. <laughs> Do you have yeah. any tips for listeners? Okay, so you're using my own words again. Yes. <laughs> 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 this, this is what I meant. So last Saturday, um, I had an event on emotional branding. Mm. And I was telling these, uh, these guys about how, you know, like the fact is, 
if you look at the seven stages of the buying cycle which is actually like recruitment because mm-hmm. recruitment is also a buying decision because I'm buying the company or whatever the company is selling right. yeah so mm-hmm. it's also a sales decision so if you look at the seven stages of the buying decision the emotional stage comes before the logical stage it's it's a fact mm. like it's biology it's not somebody mm. saying it's actually a fact it's biology so like the reason somebody so somebody will say oh, i can't spend 200k on a phone but people will buy that the new bugatti is like i don't know 19 million pounds but some somebody is going to buy that car and you know i was asking these people is it that i'm going to be i'm going to be in my vita <laughs> and this guy in the bugatti no if we are thinking logically mm-hmm. is this guy in the bugatti going to have like the what would like the brt lane is he going to have like a different <laughs> lane for brt that would justify yeah. why he's going to, to you know so that now you say oh okay it's this and this it's not so mm-hmm. all of us need to get to westland neither westland that is the goal Mm. and both cars you can even ride a bicycle another one a boda, boda. another one a boda. all of us will get to yeah. naivas westlands by why would somebody say 19 million pounds which is like i don't know the kenyan budget or something <laughs> <laughs> somebody would spend that money mm. to to buy to buy that or the other cars that you have i don't know lilwen have that are like seven in the whole world only seven of them mm-hmm. because the what motivates human beings are more emotional things like leadership i want to be the first person in the office to have the new iphone 10 you know i don't know my neighbors have that one have that i'm a city so even me i need to to up my to up my game and mm-hmm. you don't even talk to your neighbors they don't even talk to you. they don't know what's happening in your house but now you're just telling yourself yourself that so people know that this is how like businesses know this is how people make decisions mm-hmm. and that's how they influence you to buy whatever they are selling they don't come and say it has 48 megapixels camera it has this and this mm-hmm. what we say is address the consumer not the product they'll tell you this the same way that's what Steve Jobs was doing with Apple he was saying these are the kind of people who have the iPhone these are the kind of people that Apple is for these are the kind of people that iPhone is made Mm-hmm. so it makes you feel special and mm-hmm. like you know what I'm the kind of person who owns an iPhone so you can't convince the iPhone guy to go to Android because mm-hmm. he's been convinced in his head there's something special about me mm-hmm. iPhone is for a specific type of people and so you create now what we're saying like a cult a following a following around that a fo- sorry I've <laughs> No I actually agree with what you're saying because what you mean about bullshitting your way through an interview is you're marketing yourself yeah yeah a company so that's wants what to I buy meant. Yeah. like mm. um if you are aware of that because i started the event by asking people to sell me the phones that they're having mm-hmm. and now everybody will start oh this the camera this is this this and this and i told them you've not asked me what i'm looking for mm. you've not asked me maybe i'm a food blogger so for me the camera is important maybe i'm a game developer so i need the battery to last long cuz i'm always using my phone then you have somebody like my mother who doesn't know any of those things she just wants to make calls mm. so none of whatever you are pushing on her face she, she doesn't all that is not important so don't generalize mm. don't generalize so what i meant by you can you know uh, survive your way through an interview is by saying that 
be aware that people are making decisions more from an emoji, emotional perspective, perspective mm-hmm. and use that the same way I said startups can use that to influence people to buy, to, to you know, to buy the company. So you can use that and influence somebody and say, you know what, I don't have the 10 years of experience but, that you yeah. have in there, but you know, I'm so passionate. In fact, I don't know, my grandmother used to be, I don't know this. Mm-hmm. You start, <laughs> storytelling story mm-hmm. is the whole, that's what Steve Jobs was doing, yeah, yeah. storytelling. So you can transform that interview to suit you because at the end of the day, whether somebody is business because somebody asked a question about B2B business, whatever it is, there's a human being behind that decision. Yeah, whatever you, even if you're selling to Safaricom a B2B product, even if I was selling you a calendar, I would like find a human appeal, find a human appeal to it, and mm-hmm. that's how you'd be able to convince somebody to to just you know like oh I'm so passionate about what you do. In fact, I remember somebody at TBL when I was there. Somebody had written a, re- a letter to the MD, and they had said, you know, I really love what you do. In fact, Alvaro is my most favorite drink that time when oh. Alvaro mm. was out. And people say all that all kinds of stuff all there. Mm. all the time so you are not limited but use the emotional appeal mm. to be able to get people somebody would just say i don't know i have a good feeling about them i don't know <laughs> this mm. it's not a logical decision mm. the same way buying is not it's mm. not a logical decision because when you come to the interview then it means everybody has met the minimum qualification right yeah. so then how do you Stand out. How do you yeah. stand out? It's like sorry, I keep going back to him in the dating. <laughs> so you have you have this show, you have this show, and you've said I'm looking for this age. They should be these. Let's say skin tone. They should be this and this. And then KTN have brought these five ladies who have everything in your checkbox yeah mm. then now how will you choose yeah. after that yeah. you know then now you have the bachelorette or oh, go spend time with somebody go do this then you'll be able to get a clear picture so if you've got at the interview stage it means you've met minimum qualifications that means almost everybody at that table is mm. qualified so how am i going to say kevin didn't get it and this person did sometimes the bias comes in but away from the bias mm. then use that opportunity to convince people and tell people you know i don't know when i was in school i had to work hard for my own fees i don't know this and this do you see professor mago has interview yeah i don't know mm. many people saw it the guy used every single thing in his cv yeah the, the 96 guy used page every single CV. thing in his cv <laughs> yeah like i don't know you know in stare we have this principle where we do this and that has always stuck with me so I'm always doing this and this in this way. Mm. Or Sonko saying, you know, in nursery, I don't know. Was, um, <laughs> and I was like, how do you remember? <laughs> how do you remember? <laughs> nah, but it's like, in nursery, I don't yeah. know, I was a prefect. Then when I went to, to prison, I was the one in charge of distributing <laughs> Uji to Block D. I don't know. <laughs> and it's, I looked at him and I was like, this is how confident is how people should be right. yeah. at interviews. Use everything to your own advantage. advantage. Mm-hmm. You know, whether even if it's the side hustle, use it to say, 
because of this you know because of me selling cakes mm-hmm. on the side mm-hmm. i have learned how to handle customers you know i have learned how mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. this yeah. and this so say it you know yeah. i don't know you are nasa in nasari you are this and they say it yeah <laughs> say everything because you know you have sometimes that one chance only to pitch for yourself mm. so use everything to your advantage i have a question related to that you're actually talking about um, our cvs with michelle recently and you were discussing what you should put on your on your hobbies so my view was to like uh, try to engineer it based on like what what the company but, but michelle wanted to put out like a more authentic image so i'd love to hear like your yeah. different thoughts on do companies even look at, at hobbies? hobbies i think that's usually at yeah. maybe mm. the final stage yeah. when they have really n- no other question to ask you but it's not something at least in my experience that is so relevant at the beginning so should that even be, because there's also this debate about references people really say D- remove that reference section because if we really want to hire you we're going to do a background check anyway yeah. so if it's important we'll ask so yeah just even in terms of resume writing tips what what's your view So again even for the CV the same way with the interview like what professor Magoha did use everything for your advantage mm. don't put something if it's going to discredit you in some way and you'd rather tell the truth than lie because mm. now you I'm going to ask you okay so <laughs> like a certain dev interview member uh, let me even not say there's the school or the training <laughs> whatever because <laughs> uh, this morning has gone Uh, let me not say the training school. It's not Moringa school though. Yeah. So these these girls were coming uh, for an interview. So I asked this lady, okay, you have written, not me saying, you are the one who's written your inter- in your CV. I don't know, Android, Java, this and this, mm-hmm. yeah? So I asked, I, I pick one. Okay, so tell me, you know, our roadmap, we are going to be launching, a, let's say, a mobile app next year, whether mm-hmm. it's true or not. So okay so tell me about your experience with Android then the lady says oh you know those are things we learned in school uh now they are training the training whatever <laughs> Th- those are things we we learned in school but I don't have experience let me tell you something yeah I learned python I learned ruby I learned ruby on uh ruby on rails mm-hmm. javascript react mm-hmm. i don't know html i learned all those things none of that is in my cv mm-hmm. because you are going to ask me about ruby on rails and i can't remember anything, anything. Mm. so I've, yeah. i've never ever gone and spoken to somebody and mm. promised them that i'm going to program something for them right. because i'm not going it's uh, it's going to be a lie yeah mm. so i wouldn't put that on my cv if i know somebody is going to ask me something about it and i'm not going to be able to do it so i know what technical people do what you can do is uh, if it's an online profile or whatever you can say you know java maybe i am extremely competent i don't know javascript i don't know you know you can put those to measures and say okay mm. these are for example the languages i'm conversant with these and these these and this upper and then just arrange them in order or something mm-hmm. but don't tell me oh i don't know i travel or i go mountain hiking then i'm going to ask you because again i'm measuring dif- different things you are the one who's put it in your cv mm-hmm. and a hobby so i'll ask you so i can see here you've said you do skydiving skydiving <laughs> 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 and you're like me who is scared of heights you know <laughs> so like i can see here you did skydiving tell me about the last experience mm. you had where did you go to 
Ai sato you know you know I just watch it in movies. <laughs> oh I'm interested I watch it in movies so I've always been interested in it. And that's not a hobby. Yeah. And I think the serious thing about sometimes lying is that it can get you flagged blacklisted it does yeah so, so you'd just be honest. again you are the one who's put that information in your cv i don't know you skydive i don't know you mm-hmm. go mountain climbing yeah. i don't know that you're the one who's provided that information to me so it can either work for you or yeah against or against you so you'd rather and then also you don't know what could be interesting so i would prefer be authentic and say these are the things that you know i love i love doing on the side for example uh for almost all the companies i've worked for i've always been involved in events because i love events i love food i love all that stuff yeah another thing is for example i enjoy dancing i enjoy music and stuff like that so in one of the companies that worked for we had all hands where now every quarter everybody in the company from different offices everybody just comes together from director everybody in the company And one of the things that we we'll do at all hands because it's not a serious event one of the things we we'll do is to have games would we'll even have a dance like a whole choreography where we've said this is the song we are dancing and stuff like that and I would go and tell people now let's say a month before guys we are dancing to Pharrell's song I don't know I'm looking for volunteers who will help me and guys used to come mm-hmm. so it's lunch time guys are chaka guys are chilling eating then they would just see these people on the grass you know <laughs> <laughs> dancing but if I show you the video of the last all hands we did where we we did the I know we did there is one we did a Michelle Obama choreography then we did the happy song by Pharrell mm. if you saw that video like everybody in the whole company was dancing everybody was having was having fun yeah so and that to me that is HR because then what's my work is my work to create policies my work to do any of that to me that was part of HR because everybody used to come out of that event there's no levels there's no mm. this is director this is the person in the field there's mm. no we've gotten to know each other from those stupid questions you ask oh if you were a superhero what kind of a superhero would you be and why you know those kinds of of stuff and i thoroughly enjoyed it now that's not on top of my cv that okay i don't know i do this and this it's not but i want you to know that they so much to me than just the education or the somebody ticked me as being hr competent mm. and you should use all of me yeah you should use all of me so again it's how you pitch to yourself so even mm. when i was leaving that company then the hr person was like ah oh, but now what's who, who's going to be <laughs> yeah who's going <laughs> to be making people dance <laughs> cuz i was the only person who was doing it so now people will remember you for something different other cuz we are like six people in hr yeah but people will remember you for something different because oh you remember that lady who used to make us dance mm. Mm. and in a way like for lying in your cv it, it, you'll get caught eventually mm. either at an interview stage or, mm. any, or in the one on ones where you're like having this conversation with your potential client you'll get caught yeah. but a situation that some of us have experienced and we, we were just so unprepared for is when the employer is the one lying yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't know you wouldn't know they are yeah. selling their company to you yeah. and you have no way of telling if what 
the company is promising to deliver is true or false How or maybe lying? there is in many ways Ma- no, g- no 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 like specific <laughs> examples <laughs> like this structure give uh, me a specific example ah let's mm. see let's see cash flow availability of funds availability uh, of office space availability of internet like basically availability resources. of everything uh the vision itself was also wrong in that what 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 it was being promised and what was delivered not where anywhere near close mm. but you see like there was no way to sort of tell that from someone who has not been baptized by fire in that situation <laughs> mm. but perhaps in your experience with dealing with both companies and employees maybe you know a way that people can be able to sort of sniff out these situations before they get themselves into them instead of like waiting the whole process of having your three months four months and you're like what am i doing here mm. yeah Okay. So again back to the toxic workplaces that's why reviews are important you go read about some of this stuff you know I've read reviews on Glassdoor where people have said for Kenyan companies I don't there's racism in terms of payment there's mm. this and this and I use that that's why I say go to an interview prepared yeah. when somebody is asking you what questions do you have for us and then you're seated there no I don't have it <laughs> so you know everything yeah. about the company now you don't have any questions to to ask yeah and one of the most important things when somebody is asking you something like oh you know here uh we know let's say somebody can tell you as a lady in tech you know uh we know the environment is usually not uh not very supportive of women mm-hmm. but here at company abc i don't know this and this is how we support women ask them what do you mean by that mm-hmm. ask this person yeah. what do you mean mm-hmm. that by that somebody saying oh we value our people what do you mean by that what do you mean by that yeah and what we call also the five whys like you say this and this why is that important to you why is why? that important to you why is that important to you because again a lot of hr people we go to interviews we are not prepared again it's not also the hr person we having different people from different departments departments coming into the interview so that's a mistake we do we don't do interview training to anybody who's involved in the interview process mm-hmm. now there's no standard there's low standard and things and things like that so i think the reviews or what we call social proof can really help mm-hmm. yeah and that has worked so well in our generation somebody goes on twitter and says guys what are we having for breakfast and like a thousand people comment and it's not an emergency it's not an important mm-hmm. thing or somebody is asking guys what are you watching and you know again we are generation who's always volunteering information. information so use that to your advantage and then when i've gotten like a, a certain bank i went for an interview to and then um before i had gotten a personal review from a friend about it so i just read some of this stuff online but i had a set of questions that i wanted to ask them because i also wanted to get deeper into what the company is doing so and they asked me what you know do you have any questions for us the most basic is ask this person why should i work for you it looks like a very simple question so i was being interviewed by a, fi- a panel of five people mm. yeah and i asked these people why should i work for you what this what makes this a great place to telling you by the way i also have a stake in this i also have a, an option to choose you or not and you also have to convince me again like i said it's a buying decision but the moment i asked that everybody's head went down the moment i asked that question everybody 
just mm-hmm. went down and now they started you know you are scribbling your whatever and then now a certain lady told the gentleman who was next to you oh so uh you Kevin you've been here for five <laughs> I'm see I'm I'm being honest that's what happens so he said oh you so and so you've been here the longest let's say here for seven years mm-hmm. why are you why are you still working here <laughs> I, I mean so at that moment what is being registered in my mind at that moment what is being registered in my mind mm. and these guys are not even excited yeah and and so whatever else they would tell me was also going to be to be a lie so that's it looks like such a basic question but if you don't know why you work here so then what am i doing here mm. Mm. also asking people who've left a company because mm. we also went through the same thing yeah 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 ask them. so i asked the person offer, yeah, yeah i asked the the panel mm-hmm. so okay you've asked um like why should i work here i asked is this a new position or has this position been existing what happened to the last person right. who was here yeah. ask them that mm. whether they'll tell you the truth or not but you having a set of questions that you are asking them also you, you, you know that i said now it's a it's a balancing mm-hmm. skill so it tips that now to your advantage where now you have the same power to ask them because immediately you start asking questions you see now their body language and now things change because mm-hmm. they are always used to being the demi gods yeah. we call them yeah. <laughs> so now that changes and you know you are asking with confidence of yeah. course you are not arrogant or anything like that but telling them this is an important decision to me yeah and if you're not serious then you know actually one of the greatest techniques i've seen so far was on twitter and it was this lady she's called Taylor Alexis and she stated that the way she approached the situation was after every interview she was rejected in mm-hmm. going into every interview she would go and take note of all the questions they were asking her you know the questions that she did not have an answer to or the company sort of they were trying to express themselves about themselves and in the next interview she would throw those questions back at the next interviewing board and so on and so forth and so forth until eventually she got to a point where she was so skilled at being interviewed <laughs> she just couldn't be bullshitted through even by yeah. a company mm. so i feel like for our listeners that's a strategy that you can try to to try to employ uh, when you are sort of going through the journey of mm. applying for jobs yeah. and going through interviews yeah. yeah when somebody tells you something tell them give me an example of that the same mm. way we ask candidates or give me an example of a time i don't yeah. know you handled this so when you say you know okay we are very valued i don't know we value this and this blah 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 tell me give me an example of that tell us the panel okay you are saying um one of the questions you want to ask is about learning and your growth in the company how the company uh values your your growth and if somebody says a vague answer you ask them okay what have you learned in the last six months not in the last five years mm. what have you learned in the last six months what have you learned in the last three months and you'd be shocked so many people have to really try and think hard mm-hmm. of something yeah mm. and that will give you these that will give you the answers that you are looking for again like the reviews i said use the reviews i'll go and tell you so i've seen on glassdoor a lot of people have said within the last one year mm-hmm. that there is cases of racism in this company mm-hmm. so look at them straight mm-hmm. and have these things you've carried in your bag mm-hmm. you know 
to also ask them and tell them because it's legit you're not lying mm. the reviews are on glass yeah. mm. you know and you're showing that you've also researched what is happening there mm. so ask them you know i've looked at your past reviews on glassdoor for the last year and i've seen a lot of i don't know seven out of ten people saying that there is cases of i don't know let's say harassment what do you have to say about that mm. so you leave the interview room everybody is feeling you know yeah. 50-50 we are not so sure about that and also i'm not so sure about you <laughs> so then that's a good interview yeah, yeah. fair but how do you go about it if it's a startup company Even if it's a startup mm. like for but for a startup yes the information will be will be less again like i said with the startup then the motivation is different so that's why i say in having it's not a standard there is no rule book there is no you know i can't go and now write a book about i don't know how to solve this yeah mm. so for the startup it's different you also want to go look at things like the vision of the company for example like she said the ceo most of the time would be the one also involved with the interview because they want to measure culture fit and that you also understand what kind of a company is so ask them questions like how what what do you see this company going in the next five years i actually even asked that question to a big company mm -hmm. like what are your plans for the mm -hmm. next five years or ten years because otherwise you're going to be out of a job next year mm -hmm. yeah yeah so you also have to know that business wise because this was a business decision she talked about salary and money i gave you the example of the medical insurance so money is a, an important thing so ask them what what are your plans as a business for the next 10 years so that mm. somebody can say we have 10 branches but we want to to do this and this and you also see the people are thinking ahead of mm. time so if it's the ceo and stuff like that but with the startup it's more of a mission oriented a mission oriented thing and then also the the kind of job sometimes uh, like the person who would leave google to a smaller startup sometimes you want to give back Yeah. Mm. Uh I have a friend of mine I was telling the other day he says he wants to come back to Kenya. But the guy has a PhD, is very skilled and the last time he was here I was like I don't even know which company would hire mm. would hire you for whatever you have. Mm. But what I'm trying now to to make him see is that you know you can volunteer in different ways, you can help um a startup and whatever because even Google was once a company with five employees right. the same way have you seen the first picture of the microsoft people like you yeah. didn't even know who bill gates is yeah. <laughs> and you know we are always asked to do hire these people yeah mm. so they looked no more there's nothing special about about them and all that but they believed what their company is some cynic says that in terms of emotional branding that people don't uh people don't buy people don't buy what you are selling no 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 you should your goal is not to do business with people who are buying what you are selling mm. but with people who believe what you believe because mm. then the thing with emotional branding we are converting you to this person who is buying Samsung today and then when something happens two years you've gone to Huawei you've gone this and this you know so we want to convert you to now a long term loyalist that mm. even after you've left moringa school you are there preaching moringa school you know mm. that's what um emotional branding is about that we are not just the first time we are not just selling this bottle to you we want to convince you that dasani is the best brand ever mm. such that even when they introduce soda <laughs> you are still going to pick that of a let's say coke mm. yeah that's so that's what it's about
you, you mentioned something about learning when you, you say you ask someone what they learned. So this has made me think, because nowadays, especially the nature of the job market, so we need to learn more skills increasingly fast. Yeah. So let's say for, for a company, I'd, I'd use a startup in this case, a relatively small company. How exactly do they support their, their employees when it comes to helping them grow and learn their skills and how, how, how can they create a system whereby they can nurture that and inculcate that into the organization as a culture that is really embedded into it, yeah. Yeah, so what I've seen some people doing, you can set a specific time where let's say that's dedicated out of an employee's time or week for learning mm-hmm. and you know the company recognizes that, that mm-hmm. two hours out of a week is for, for learning. Uh, one of the best places I've seen in terms of uh, learning, again, I'm not being paid to do this, mm-hmm. is uh, EABL. Because EABL, they had what we call Diageo Academy. Mm-hmm. So it was an online platform, kind of like how you have Udemy or Coursera. Mm-hmm. And they had all kinds of information, whether it's about the company, whether it's about this and this. For, so they had really adopted tech early on. So if we want to teach you code of conduct, a normal HR person will give you the employee manual on day one, yeah? Mm. But Diageo, they did that now online as if it's a course, and mm. then they give you questions. So you go through it as if it's a course, and you get your certification online. Again, I got so much information about career planning, personal financial mm. management. So it wasn't just, I don't even remember if there was like HR HR training, they had so much general knowledge yeah. stuff yeah. that just, yeah, that you actually need. And I still even have till now because it was just this lifelong kind of uh, information that will help you forever. And mm-hmm. it's not, it doesn't matter where you are the group CEO, whether you are uh, at that time, like I was an intern, everybody had access to that information. And I think after, I, I've never seen that in any other company that I've worked for, just people adopting technology, because it makes work so much easier, especially if people know oh, over the weekend, I can read this at my own time because again you have to understand millennials you know I, I don't want to do this at the company time i want to do this at my own time or maybe even on my way to traffic you have one hour before you get home mm-hmm. you can go through a certain course about mm-hmm. something that could help you um so i think people are still stuck on the old kind of training mm-hmm. where they think okay it's a conference it has to be and again that's one of the things i saw in tech and i was like i wish we did this in HR, because tech people meet just for the sake, you know. But you go to the uh, HR page on Facebook and you say, I'm having this event about this and this. And then the first question somebody is asking you, how many CPD points is this? <laughs> and it's like, that's the first question yeah. you are asking. So you, you, you can, <laughs> if you look at that and you look at the Facebook DevC page, they're very different, different. interaction mm. and all that. It's very different because mm. you're saying there is a training on talent management in Mombasa at Pride Inn, <laughs> 70,000. I don't know, excluding VAT, including <laughs> VAT. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. But mm. immediate, I mean, it who is going love. to pay 70,000 for yeah. me yeah. to go to for a training in Mombasa? Mm. Like, nobody is going to do that. So, 
the pre- the vice president was at another interprofessional summit last week and you look at the people who are there it's just the big guys the HR managers this and this and some people just use us as an excuse or watch a trend Mombasa let's go <laughs> so the trainings now have become or oh, where can we do team building let's go to Naivasha you know let's go to Masai Mara and stuff like that but we take like it's really so fluid again because the information is also so fast moving mm. so it's not static mm. so you have to be able to be part of the conversations every time and you've created this kind of community where there is no oh this the esther person this is everybody is just answering questions and you say guys this is the bug i am having and anybody from any part of the world can comment mm. and say i also had this problem let me share with you how i solved it like that's we don't have that in hr we don't mm. have that so the community is really is really good again meaning there are so many avenues for you to learn mm. f- apart from the traditional you know let's go for a training kind of kind of a thing yeah. another and thing maybe, also, another yeah. thing is uh, as things become more automated so the uh, human human capital to some extent is becoming redundant yeah are you sure mm. To some extent, <laughs> to some extent, maybe for the more technical skills, I can't speak to the exact volume or the the extent it will happen or what it's happening. But in case, for the cases whereby that is happening, how do you how how can how can a company help its uh, employees transition from a more like human-centered roles, things that are more aligned towards creativity and critical thinking, even if that wasn't really. Uh, the core aspect of your job maybe your 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 job really entail things that are a bit leaning towards the technical and repetitive side so how can a company help its employees transition to a more like human in the sense of yeah critical thinking creativity and stuff like that so that's interesting because there's a HR summit coming up in Kenya and it's about future proofing the workforce <laughs> <laughs> future proofing the workforce and they're going to take out, talk about ai and some of those things like now how we can protect our employees mm-hmm. so this is what what happened when uh, guys like in the first time when uh, the concept of the car came along mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. let's go back to history yeah. cuz you can predict the future when you look back at the past yeah mm-hmm. when henry ford came and then now there was the car how many people had farms that were producing manure for horses a lot it was a big business yeah yeah then now somebody is saying okay let's have this thing which is a car mm-hmm. then now it's not using manure so there is oil we have to think about the oil part we have to think about the engineering we have to think about the roads Mm. and stuff like that yeah so these guys were fighting these people who are coming up with this new idea mm-hmm. but then it changes inevitable yeah. yeah and the world outside should not be moving faster or changing faster than the world inside which means your company yeah so that's why we've seen a lot of references have made with changes being done in HR have cited international companies because here we are still doing things the same way and the the friction is coming because now we are having these millennials coming into the workplace with these different ideas they've grown up differently but HR is still the same so now the friction the friction is coming in yeah. there that we are still stuck the same way 
but now millennials are almost 50% of the, the workforce. workforce. And we're not even talking about Gen Z. Like those ones are even going to be on another level. on another <laughs> level. Like it's it's going yeah. to be on another level, yeah. And then when we had the women in tech conference, somebody asked, "Ajo Stella, you're talking, you know, we're talking about AI, but now if we have self-driving cars, what are taxi people going to do? Taxi drivers <laughs> going to do?" Yeah? And I told I told her Look at this room and everything that's surrounding this room. All these things didn't exist before. Mm. Mm. Somebody came up with electricity. Mm. Somebody came up with the sea. Somebody mm. came up with the coffee machine. Everything that you're seeing, you know, somebody came up with this and that's what makes humans better than all the other animals because we're animals, yeah, but that's what makes us humans because we adapt. We learn how to to change and adapt and we are agile compared to other species. So if we would have said, say, let's stick with with horses, I mean, that's not going to work. Again, think about it. Because again, we read a lot of stuff online, which is what technology has done to us. And then now we translate this to the Kenyan or African situation when that's not true. So the question is, is the world's future Africa's future? Mm. Yeah. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes it really is not, yeah? Because mm. I asked somebody in the I group, WhatsApp group, like, I can imagine now you have an electric car, a driverless car at Kencom, yeah? And you tell my mom, okay, get into the car for free. Or just, not even my mom, just tell people for free. Get into the car, it, will, it is an Uber. It will take you anywhere you want to go for free. How many people will jump into the car and leave the city hopper? Right burn, now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're going to come up with all kinds of theories, yeah? We're going to kind and guys will be more focused on taking photos yeah. with the car yeah. than because yeah. you go first, you go and then you come back and tell me and tell me how, how it was. So even the technology itself, again, somebody said, uh, Victor Semota said on Twitter, when we are tech, sometimes because we need to pay bills and everything, we tell people that tech solves all problems. Mm. You know, and we need to tell people that tech is this magical thing. And really, it's, it's not. The driverless cars, for example, any, the technology is still far along. They are still having so many issues. We haven't figured out litigation, like I said, things like the empathy and all that. Like there's still so much that hasn't been figured out. And even when they figure it out, are we definitely sure that's what's going to be done in Africa? Because it's not a copy-pasting model. Otherwise, we would have copy-pasted credit cards. Mm. Others would have done that, yeah? Mm. But credit cards are working in South Africa where they don't use mobile money at all. And here, how many people use credit cards? Always M-Pesa this, M-Pesa, mm. M-Pesa that. So if somebody would have thought of a solution to transfer money and you come with the information you've read online, you would have thought that way without you saying, you know, you think globally, but you act, Look you local. act locally. So mm-hmm. sometimes when you're having the OAI, oh, hey, all robots are coming, all this and this, this and this. Is it true that um, tech is changing stuff? Absolutely. Like you won't lie to people about that, which now needs us to do things differently and not tech people only, every single person in the organization. That's why I'm telling you in HR now, we have bots things that were not existing before. Mm. Now we have some positions. Look at a social media manager. Who's a social media manager? 
we didn't have that mm. position before mm. so now you, we also as HR people need to Adopt. need to change but there are specific instances especially outside where jobs are being replaced by people like GE this year is cutting down over 5000 employees because now they've decided they're not going to be making like the cars they used to they're also going to be doing the electric cars meaning now it's going to be more automated mm. so more than 4000 direct staff and like over 15000 others that's why Trump is like fighting because 15000 is a very big number of people to let to lay to let go but now the company is making that decision based on what's happening in the market meaning tech is a very big factor now it's affecting the business model mm. of the company number two, they decided that they are not going to be making cars anymore they're going to be using do, doing ride hailing apps and whatever like Uber and mm. all that so they're like you know what let's not make the cars maybe it's expensive maybe it's this and this yeah. we'd rather use any cars by made by whoever uh-huh. then we have like a nuba kind of a model again technology has influenced that because now you can order a thing with a, mm. a cab with your, your with your phone mm. that didn't exist before so again we are not telling people oh this is not true this is propaganda it is true to some extent then it's not true to another extent i mean it's not what have you seen happening in kenya that has really affected not the labor much. market what mm-hmm. have you seen i think one of the perspectives we had from a guest we had last week is it's not going to affect our jobs as much because we did not have that type of job in the country before like the jobs <laughs> with like manufacturing cars and stuff mm-hmm. like that so we were still waiting for them to to <laughs> exactly. So, so that's why I said it's yeah. it, it's a balancing scale. Remember, I said there's employers on this side and there's now the job seekers on this side. If things are not changing on this side, then things are not going to change yeah, on this side. side. You mm-hmm. see, but GE decided to change, so it means over twenty thousand people are now affected and have to think about that. But which company is adopting AI now? Which company is having robots right now? Which it's not yet happening. So unless now things are happening on this side, then you know in Kenya things are fairly been the same. <laughs> so I don't unless you are especially like a technical person, again, opportunities you're not limited to just Kenya. Yeah. If you are thinking about outside, I can easily tell tell like my PhD friend, you don't have to work here. You're going to be wasted. Mm. You are smart, Google can hire you, Facebook can mm. hire you. Mm. Then go. Is that mobility, you're, yeah. You know, no one is limiting you to just Kenya. work mm-hmm. in Kenya or in yeah. Africa, yeah. Completely. But I tell him, yes, you are Kenyan. Yes, we grew up together. But because you've had a whole uh, like 10 years outside mm. when you come back and you're saying okay I want to do now something in Kenya be realistic yeah. and you have to know the thing what's happening on the ground don't come mm. up with these big ideas oh I saw this is happening then you come and copy paste it here it's not going cool. to work yeah. and Stella maybe even just as a closing remark let us know more about Jobonics HR uh, where do you want to be in five years? <laughs> Are you hiring for <laughs> listeners? Um, yeah. And how to go about hiring the applying for the position? Yeah. Mm, she had one question also, and then I'll answer that. Oh, you have a question? Yeah. Because oh, <laughs> she's not asked as many questions oh, okay. as that. No yeah, so um, I think I've even forgotten. But um, last week, um, our guest was someone who recruits talent, basically from 
guys outside the country and even inside the country and she said that one of the um, skill sets that there's a gap in is soft skills so where do you think there's a there's a gap in soft skill there's a gap in in skill set well I think this this has kept coming up uh, so many times so for anybody who's listening and I, I know there's there's at least there's a study that Hava did and those like critical thinking at the top um, which are okay? There are like there are 15 skills that were listed. I can't remember all of them right now, but it's it's information you can get online. Those are studies done by Harvard, and you can get to know um, some of that. And then also the things like I've said about the hiring reports and all that. It's information you can get online, like the LinkedIn recruiting report for 2018. I don't know. I don't think they've released one for 2019. But they list all those things. They've actually listed um, technical skills, mm -hmm. things like cloud infrastructure, web development. They've listed the top, the five hardest skills, hardest roles to fill in mm -hmm. tech. Mm -hmm. But just um, the hard skills now, like the UI, UX people and stuff. And then I think they've also mentioned a few of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a list of the soft skills that recruiters are looking for. And they give all those different scenarios, like I've mentioned, me taking you out for lunch, this and this. So they give um, different examples of how people are trying to measure out these, uh, these soft skills. So I think that's information that they can get online. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Just on that also, we always hear about there being uh, skill shortage in terms of our graduates. So when guys go to companies, then the companies say, uh, these guys are not really, they have the credentials, but they're not really, mm. they don't have the necessary skills. But it's up uh, to the companies to upskill yeah. as well. I think mm. companies uh -huh. also should be open to training mm -hmm. fresh graduates. So, you know, uh -huh. in the UK you have, you know, graduate schemes, and I'm sure in the big four companies here, you also have that, mm -hmm. but startups, corporations should be open to upskilling, you so know? My, my question was, how do you think the companies can actually work with education institutions mm. to bridge that gap before it actually mm. materializes once they're hired? Yeah. Okay. So we had an, uh, an event last year by the AI task force. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that came out that in terms of data and in Kenya particularly, mm -hmm. data is siloed. Mm -hmm. So you see you have some information from the Ministry of Agriculture, another Ministry of Education, another one here. The same way you have HR people have information. It, like we are not working together. We are not working together. But then maybe this is affecting this one. That's, that's what machine learning is. We are able to uh, identify all these patterns and stuff like that. But we can't be doing that. Number one, HR, nobody's recording anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Nobody's recording anything. So we can't even say for the last, uh, for the last one year we've seen, if we look at 2019 compared to 2018, we've seen the female applicants for technical roles has reduced by 15%. Mm -hmm. Nobody can even tell you that. Mm -hmm. Meaning we are not even seeing there is a problem. Meaning we are not trying to solve it. Mm -hmm. So number one, we are not doing anything in terms of like data recording and not just HR. I'm sure everything. There is... And that presents also, I think, big opportunities in terms of uh, data science going to be a very, making a very big impact in Africa. Because mm. farmers, this and this, we have now people coming in like uh, Pula Dotayo, who are looking at uh, satellite data. 
and you can be able to tell a farmer it's going to rain this time these are the crops you should plant these are the type or specific maybe maize you should plant so now they're using data to to help farmers so we also need to adopt that in other like professions and um and uh and industries uh what was the other thing i wanted to 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 tell you i forgot how education and yeah 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 yeah. so it's it's a problem it's a problem and again i said it in the toxic workplaces mm. hr is not working with other people mm. whether it's the candidates whether it's other we are not working with anybody let me just say that we are not working with anybody meaning that's why i said we are static here and the world outside is moving you know and we are still static in how we do things are there companies that are doing well yes of course but not when not as many as what would be would be happening so i feel bad that uh, i also blame ihrm the institution because that's the body that we have in kenya mm. for hr people if you look at ihrm kenya and you look at shrm international which is now society of human resource mm. i mean shrm like the twitter hr twitter i mentioned like i don't know if it's every week there's a specific hashtag there's a set of questions they ask people answer all over the world so in like two hours you've learned so much like last this week i think it was about the candidate experience and hiring and people all over the world hr people participating in that we don't have that here we don't even have nobody's on social media so when i'm talking about toxic workplaces i'm like the only hr person talking there mm. nobody else was commenting and telling people do abcd yeah. nobody mm. was doing was people doing are afraid that. to lose their jobs <laughs> <laughs> but it's you not even about job. it's not even about that for example i yeah. blog about i blog about hr yeah. it's not oh it's not bringing me money it's not mm. doing any of that it's like i went through this experience i'm not talking as an expert mm. i'm just talking as the same way you can go and if you want to to learn how to make a salad if you go on youtube you'll find a thousand people who've done videos you yeah. choose the one that somebody's yeah. just saying this is how i make salad in my house you know mm. you if you if you think that's interesting mm. get the video and you do that mm. nobody the same way even with tech nobody goes and says oh i'm an ai expert i'm this of course we know there are some people who are almost like experts mm. but in tech everybody can comment about anything yeah which mm. is a really good thing so again we also not using social media mm. to our advantage as much so again i'm going to put more blame on hr than everybody else mm. we can take the initiative reach out to people mm. we should be guiding the government people saying oh i don't know 15 universities courses that are being redundant this and this is you. where is hr when that is happening okay yeah we yeah. are not nobody is seeing us in any way yet we have the institution and we need to expand the institution apart from the institution to now it being you know if we're talking about people management the cto is managing people mm-hmm. that's not a hr thing mm-hmm. so you do a podcast on how to manage on conflict resolution yeah. mm-hmm. you don't know who might need it so yeah. what is hr what is hr yeah mm-hmm. um there's a question you asked as we close yeah. Oh about, yes, tell us about jobonics and yeah. how anyone and then there's something you asked about I, why you don't ask something about learning there's somebody it's asked it's yeah 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 no there's something i've remembered um at the hiring uh, panel that we had 
So we always say the person who go to the top of the mountain didn't land there. Mm. You know, yeah. the person didn't land there or they were dropped by a chopper, you. So mm-hmm. if I'm seated next to you and I'm having 15 years of experience, I didn't wake up one day with 15 Overnight. years of mm. experience. So then it's almost unfair to expect that from candidates and we are mm. like so what what's happened now especially with tech it's like a pyramid. Yeah. So you have a lot of people here at the bottom, very few at the mid level and then few. Um, extremely few at the top. That's why the recruiters say that the event guys are rotating people especially mm. at the top and they're not even people they're unicorns <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's so becoming rare. very almost boring so yeah. you move from here you go to here you go to here mm. it's it's becoming you know it's but then that raises a question how do we if we're not investing in this person how do we expect them to get to the yeah. to top the, the top, top. so yeah. that is not even emotional it's a logical It's a logical thing. Mm-hmm. So the person who go to the top of the mountain didn't just land there. We have to like really put more into doing some of these things. What you'll see guys like Google and these big guys will do outside. Let me even give an example of uh, this company, Domino's. Domino's in US uh were having a problem because the uh, I don't know if they use boda boda but You see the way even in Kenya you have portals and stuff like mm-hmm. that and Domino's took the initiative and paved that road. Is that what Domino's do? No, Domino's mm-hmm. make pizza. They could have said Sonko you do it, you know. Mm-hmm. That's the city council or or whatever it is. So mm-hmm. what's happening? You need to ask HR people, do they care enough? Mm-hmm. Do they care enough? And <laughs> that's the response I gave Dr. Chawas number four reason that HR people don't care. That's also why they are not giving feedback. They don't care because they know all the applications are many, this and this, etc. So do they care enough? Because if somebody cared enough, they would do something yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. But the Google guys and all that, they're investing so much. Look at Facebook, having the FC all over the world and they're funding this program and so many other ones. There's Black in AI, there's there are so many groups just within facebook itself mm. so many initiatives that they are doing mm. but they chose to do that mm. and directly or indirectly i think they would not do that if it's not translating to something yeah whether maybe one of their goals is impact maybe that it is so that it's not translating immediately to uh financial financial effects but they believe you know what look at how many black girls will be able to get into mm-hmm. coding because of our program mm-hmm. again it also depends on the founder who the ceo is what the company believes so these ca- there are companies that are actually doing a lot of stuff that like they are going out of their way to do more mm-hmm. but here we are just you know work is just this thing we do to pay bills mm-hmm. so everybody is feeling that way so you just come 8 to 5 you leave and i remember uh one of the companies i was working for my supervisor would like 459 she started packing that because you know sometimes you get so lost in what you're yeah. doing you forget yeah. the time yeah. but i always used to know it's five because of her because 459 she just starts and I'll be, so i kept asking myself where is this lady going mm. to and she's older than me then i found that she doesn't have kids she's not married because mm. i would think okay logically maybe. maybe she's going to pick her kid yeah. from school or something mm. until today it still bothers me but it's like <laughs> where is 
Where was she? Go- like she was always on time. She was going to work on her side day. hustle. And she <laughs> a salsa class to attend. To. Oh, she has a salsa <laughs> class. Yeah. But if it's a salsa class, she was so disciplined. So mm. for her, her job was eight to five. Like you are paying me for these eight hours. Mm. She would make sure by eight she's in the office. Mm-hmm. Five. She's, she's at the gate, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't believe it's not because she loved the job, but and I kind of like like that because you have people who work over the weekends, people who work past till nine, and uh, so I look at her and I really admired her mm. because she had set a principle. So sometimes we look at work as just work, then you can choose as a company to do to do more than just what is. What is the bare minimum, like what Domino's did, you know, mm. just do more. It's benefiting you because now mm. their trucks would be moving faster when, yeah. you know, they're delivering pizza. But also now you've helped a lot of communities. And think about how that's going to affect branding. How many people are now going to say, wow, this company is different from this? Not because of their pizza, but because they, mm. they do more. So... Again, it's not a logical decision. So if we see you doing more, will be easier. It will be easier for us to preach you mm-hmm. as an employer of choice for free, for free mm-hmm. on social media and whatever for free, just because you've shown us that you are different from um, the other companies. So again, back to Jobonics as I close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So like I said, Jobonics for me started because of the things I had experienced as a job seeker mm-hmm. and as a recruiter yeah? because of that time I was a job seeker and then now when I went in I saw why things were being done the way that they were being done I've actually never been uh, called for an interview twice for the same position because somebody interviewed me and they forgot about it and then somebody else happened to land on my CV again and called me like hi Stella like a month later hi Stella we are inviting you to come for an interview and like what do you mean I was there like a month ago mm-hmm. I'm waiting for a response it was like oh okay sorry so let me call you back you know so <laughs> so I saw those things and I became very disappointed and different companies so it wasn't about the startup it wasn't about the big the big company I saw just there are so many things you are doing in HR that could be improved in tech, whether it's just us telling people, okay, maybe we can't create HubSpot for you, but we can tell you there are these online platforms you can use to, mm-hmm. to learn. Just being aware of that could make a difference to, to people. Yeah? So uh, that's when I went to study, to study software. So I'm, I'm, I'm starting first with recruitment. But I'm hoping to go much further mm. than that in the coming years. Again, I'm building a product, taking into consideration the kind of people now who are coming into the market. You know, 50% that, that's going to be 75% in 2025, which means by that time, 15% of guys who are going out to be interns are going to be Gen Z, Z. Z. Mm. you know, who are going to be on another level. So which means now these are the older guys are going to be moving out. So some mm-hmm. of those practices and things like that, a lot of things will have changed in the last, uh, mm-hmm. let's say, 10, 15 years. So I'm trying to build a product for now the guys who are coming into the market. Um, I think one of the things that I'm believing to be different, or I'm trying to consciously do differently for Jobonics, like I said, HR is not getting out of the building. HR is not doing a lot of this stuff. So that's why I'm starting like the HR on wheels program for us to go 
um for example there are people like returnees think about guys who are in prison somebody has been in prison five years ten mm. years they are coming back into the job market how do they you know create their cv how do they go through an interview so some of this stuff again is happening in other markets it's not happening here yeah, so we are now having a lot of hr initiatives where we go to the school mm. we go to the ministry you know we go to this and this we have the one-on-ones whether it's even just blogging writing saying today hr is available on social media with this hashtag guys who have questions send questions and stuff like that you know whichever little way so i'm trying to combine both the offline and the online ways to solve the problem because i don't think recruiting is a technical problem mm-hmm. it's not purely a technical problem yeah 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 mm-hmm. thank you stella i thank think you so much. you've given us more than what we expected yeah so so we're going to pay <laughs> <laughs> it will pay off yeah. in the long term definitely. yeah in the long term i'm yeah. sure the conversation we've had it, it actually cuts across all industries not even specific to tech mm-hmm. so i hope everyone who's listening out there you've picked a, a thousand notes here so mm-hmm. thank you stella and we hope that we can invite you again so that you can maybe tell us on an event that is coming up that you have and maybe what you plan to do mm-hmm. in future for jobonics yeah. so thank you so much yeah. thank, thank you. you thank, thank you, you. thank you for coming see you guys later next week bye